What did you do today? Uh, nothing. And then I went to lunch, and then I did nothing. That sounds fucking glorious. And it was I pretty don't, sweet. Man. Pretty, 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 pretty sweet. sweet. I don't know how. Like, I switched to 5 day, five by 8 shirts instead of 4 by 10 So I only have two days off in a row now instead of three. I don't know how anyone does it. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, man. Especially with, like, the bathing yourself and feeding yourself. I mean, how do you squeeze anything else? Like, I, I need a full day off my weekend just to, like, re- to recover, you know? It doesn't help when I'm up till seven in the morning playing Borderlands three for sure. But um, man, yeah, you're right. You don't have enough time. No, I don't. So when do you think? What when in the calendar? Like if you were to throw a dart at the calendar of the year of 2020, when do you think your Christmas decorations will come down? I'm gonna do that before I like go to uh, okay Bay Area. Yeah, okay. <laughs> ah, it's just it's fucking killing me though. It's not enough time of the day. The worst thing about that game, like the mini map, it. Uh, it fills in like it starts out all like grayed out and it mm-hmm. fills in blue as you like, you know, walk to different parts of the map. Mm-hmm. And because I'm me, I have to make it all blue. Okay. And so it's taken me way longer to play than it should because it's like, well, I got to go and all these little nooks and crannies to fill it up or else it, just my brain will hurt. You've done that with since like, like GTA. That was always your thing, right? You do all the side gotta missions. You got to do all the side missions. Yeah. That's fair. You paid for it. You might as mm-hmm. well. Got like two other video games just sitting there. Didn't do, barely or like I was gonna say didn't get any writing. Did like I don't know five hundred words with the writing, but not enough. You're a big video game boy though. What are the other games? Uh, the Star Wars game Jedi Fallen Order. I got that for Christmas, and then I got uh, this like it's called the Outer Worlds. It's like a fake Fallout game, basically. Um, I don't know if I'll ever get to play that. I'd like to, but I feel like I have like three or four other games that are in the wrapping already. So. I've reached that age where I just buy video games, but I don't actually play them. I just buy them, and I'm like, "Oh, good, I bought that. Maybe someday, like maybe I'll, maybe I'll, I don't know, like lose a limb or like you know break my back, where I'll like not have to work for six months, and I can finally have time to play one of those games." Those are the options, huh? Yeah, lose basically. a limb, break, or, your or back. like win the lottery, you know. Uh so if you lost a hand. I think that would change well, your that video would, game thing. Yeah, that would definitely. I mean, I don't know. I, I suppose there's certain appendages and you could lose a prosthetics foot. and what. I could definitely lose a foot. Yeah. I mean, honestly, what are you doing now? Right. What am I doing now? I mean, you don't have enough time in the week to do all your stuff. You might as well lose a foot, right? I mean, the the, the nice thing about video games is that you can listen to podcasts and play video games at the same time. So you can at least like kind of take care of two pieces of you know content at the same time. Okay. Can't really. Yeah, I know it sucks, but like you can't do that if you're watching a TV show. You kind of you just watch a TV show. You can't listen to a podcast and watch a TV show at the same time. My that point seems, is, I, I feel like we should all move to a 32 hour work week. That seems not right to be like taking in one piece of art, especially an interactive medium, in which I imagine the the, the sound, mm-hmm. either the music, the dialogue, the whatever is part of the story that you're immersing yourself into, and you're combining it with what a bunch of jackasses giving their hot takes on like movies from 10 years ago <laughs> seven hour podcast on the rise of skywalker well that's worth it people who do we, we might we might touch on the rise of skywalker a little more at the end of this podcast people who, who do seven hour podcasts deserve some kind of i don't know what what the award is and and condolences the, the weird thing is they didn't seem like they had that much to say like the things they liked were there's like i just think it was genius the way jj abrams introduced the whole rape helping thing and not not explain it at all. It's like this is gonna make so many opportunities for books and comics. It's like, yeah, that's genius. Which huh? podcast are you referring to? 
uh, I don't want to call anyone out, but um, not but, one that we've previously listened to. And I, I, it's possible you've listened to one at some point. Um, isn't there one that we like that did a very long podcast very recently? Oh, it's not Scavengers. Horror. Oh, okay, okay. No, no, no I'm not going to. No, they're great. Okay, I was going to say they're, they're not going to be. Yet, they're but, not going to be calling JJ Abrams genius. For I was like very confused because I haven't <laughs> listened to it yet, and I was like, wait, what? No, no, no. This is. Uh, just some dudes. So some fuckwads. Yeah. Okay. Some dudes who are like, I feel like they're mostly into Star Wars for like the video games. Ugh. But yeah. That's what I don't get about that uh, redheaded guy from like Shameless slash Gotham video game that you have. Why don't they do like, uh, what was the one you, you did where you were always like the girl and you were always trying Skyrim. to like, like seduce all the other girls in your crew? Or oh, Mass Effect. Which by the way, I feel like is a, is a real inappropriation of power. Like, if you're their leader, like, you're their boss. I'm a really slutty starships captain on that game, you know? I'm just always trying to go after you just do what you know. my yeoman. Do what you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, if you were raised by James T. Kirk, what that's what you know. Um, but, like, why can't you, like, personalize? If you have to be human, why can't you personalize no, no, that, look like like That's what, what bothers me about that. Like, because in the Mass Effect video games, you're, you're it's a specific character. It's Commander Shepard, but you can play... A woman or a man, and so it's like, and you can customize the look. And they have like two different voice actors who do all the lines, so it's it's telling a specific story with a certain character, but you have some flexibility there as to what kind of character that is, which is pretty cool. Because hmm. um, yeah, I would definitely, if I could design a character to play in a Star Wars game, it would not be an uh, Archie Andrews looking dude. That's just me. Which is funny because the guy that did the mocap. Is by no means he's like on the. I mean, I don't want to say this, but I'm going to say it. He's on the lesser end of the ginger boy spectrum, or mm. maybe Archie Andrews is on the higher end. And it's like fascinating. Who, who's who's your top ginger? Who's my top ginger man? Yeah, uh, I mean, Donald Gleason. I could see that. I like I like the idea of Donald Gleason and uh, Kelly Marie Tran just hanging out, being friends, like getting a getting a getting a cafe in a cafe. I like the idea of them all being friends, but fortunately, uh, it, seems some like of them it seems like they may not all like each other, which sucks. Some of them I'm not too pleased with right now, so. Yeah. Anyway, shall we start the pod? Okay. Finally, hit record. Oh, should I, should I do our scramble to anagram names? Do you have a bunch? I, I mean, I have mine. Do you, I know one for you. you no, oh, I'm sure it's, I'm sure you picked out only the best for me. A sneakers video game would be really fun. I guess so, yeah. Uh, what What's mine? Hello and welcome to Headcanon. I'm Oral Majesty and joining me today is Pork Sarcasm. Cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> this is probably a very fitting. I'm a acidic, dry shit pig. It's, it seemed like the best in I could find. Oral Majesty. I don't make up the anagrams, you know. No, Oral Majesty, you do not make up the anagrams. <laughs> Anyway, we're going to be talking about sneakers today, which is what I want you to wallow in that mm-hmm. that shit, you little trouble bitch. <laughs> so yeah, sneakers, the nineteen ninety two film that features uh, some anagrams, even in the uh, opening credits. Yeah, too many secrets. I fucking love this movie. Before that, though, a little media diet discussion. Mm, yeah, what are you watching? Well, the only thing, the two things I've watched in the last week were the. Dracula show. And why is everyone? Is that like a Moffat show or something? It's a Moffat show. Is it's, that a Netflix show? 
It's a Netflix BBC show. Oh, yeah. I don't have Netflix. You guys can't see it, but he's green from ear to ear right now. He, he says it like he's like cheering for himself. Like he's waiting for Miles Kanata to be like, oh, hey, I found this fucking medallion. <laughs> it's some trash. Here you go. Yeah, the fans have been off and on complaining about this for 40 years. So here you go, I guess. <laughs> We're only here to handle two crimes. It, one of the it twins. Makes no fucking sense at all. <sighs> um, but yeah, the show is oh man, it's really bad. Like the the first two episodes, it are, sounded like the first two were good, and then like the third was just like like wild card bitches or something. The thing about Stephen Moffat is he's got a lot of ideas, and he could be so good, and then he tends to veer towards. Like he likes women, but in a way that's not totally healthy. So he tends to veer into sexism and then he, he course corrects. And I think that's a lot of his problems. He's back and forth, but like, honestly, I don't know why Stephen Moffat couldn't be your genre version of Aaron Sorkin. Like he really could, if he wanted to, um, there's a lot of good ideas. There's like maybe too many good ideas. And I don't know. It's a, it's a vibe for the first two episodes. The third episode is fucking glittery, weird shit. So I know Mark Gaddis is involved in that, right? Yeah, he's Renfield. Did Moffat have anything to do with Sherlock? Yeah, he wrote Sherlock. Okay, yeah, I wasn't wasn't sure if it was just Gaddis and someone else. Yeah, man, those last, like, two... They did four seasons total, right? Yeah. And, like, a special? Yeah. Yeah, they... uh, The third one is uh, okay but shaky. That fourth one is god-awful. I like the special before the fourth season. That's fine. Um, Yeah, that's... it's not that I mean, there's like little things that I like in those episodes, but as a whole, yowza. Yeah. <laughs> yowza. I mean, it's that's kind of like that watching that third episode of Dracula. Anyway, you said another show? Uh well, the other criterion classic that I viewed that I that I consumed was a little little film called Underwater. Oh yes, that's right. We both went to see Underwater yesterday. I still have a slight headache from drinking those buzz balls because you wouldn't drink yours and force me to drink it at gunpoint. Foul piss, yeah. Mm-hmm. Horchata. I wouldn't have ordered that. And I didn't, thankfully. <laughs> Neither did I. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Underwater, not great. <laughs> not, not a great film. Not a Criterion classic. It definitely looked like they shot this three years ago. Didn't get near enough shots Shot it two years for ago. A, for a movie, and just like cobbled it together what they had. And the sad thing is, that's not even the case. <laughs> it's a fairly recent well, it was, production. It was chopped to hell, though. Like you, yeah. could, you could definitely tell the like the editing was really rough. Well, clearly, it's a movie about like processing grief, but you can't really tell. Is it? Well, so she's got the spoiler for Underwater the movie. I don't even know if you could pick this up by watching the movie, but she's dealing with the death of her fiance. She is. Yeah. What? Did you not watch the movie? I well, okay. Granted, I had to leave a few times to go to the restroom, and I had drinking some buzz balls beforehand. But I know she was looking at like a picture mm-hmm. of her dude a few times mm-hmm. to her fiance, who was friends with John Gallagher Jr. Was that what was going on? Yeah, yeah. For he, some reason, I thought that like maybe she had dated John Gallagher Jr. in the past. It kind of felt that way, but he was friends. That's why they had the connection. Okay, it was unspoken. Maybe maybe was, I missed the scene where they actually addressed that. So yeah, so she's dealing with the grief of that. Obviously, Vincent Cancel, who's got like he's got a dead French daughter. naval captain daddy yeah. energy, is dealing with his daughter. Though, as as somebody pointed out on Twitter, like it doesn't really make a lot of sense if the daughter died like ten years earlier. 
like how he, how how she didn't know for that long of a time. Well, like Casey was never going to play a character who is so old that like she knew him ten years ago. I don't think. Yeah. Um, Jessica Henwick is great in that movie. It's it's nice to see two women supporting each other. They don't pass the Bechdel test because they're constantly talking about the men in their lives. But the last line of the movie is gonna light this shit up. It's, and then Casey just, shoots a flare in the face of Cthulhu. Yeah, it's not great. It, it sounds like I'm describing a great movie, but it's not. <laughs> Charlie's Angels was a much more fun viewing experience. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, although uh, at least it, it did inspire our next pick for headcanon the next time we do one of these. We absolutely have to do The Abyss because Marco has not seen The Abyss somehow. Did you think it was gratuitous how much Casey had to run around in like a sports bra and like undies? I always wonder about that, how much control the actor has. Like, is that something where the actor's into it or is that just like, I have to do this and I don't want to, you know, like I mean, if, if she's fine with it, I'm fine with it, I guess, you know, but I, I, yeah, it did. There's a couple shots where it's just like, look at those fucking abs, you know? It's, yeah. Well, and, and, and because she has a certain acting style where she's always kind of like touching parts of herself mm-hmm. to, to reaffirm things, her hand keeps going to her chest. There's a lot of, like, and you're they, reminded like, oh yeah, she's. Oh, yeah. the TJ Miller. Well, she's calls got like her, a locket or something. Right? TJ Miller calls her flat chested at one point. Oh yeah, he, as if I did what's not the line, hate um, TJ. My you, flat chested, you beautiful flat chested elven princess, princess, or yeah, yeah. I was just like what the fuck. As if you don't hate TJ Miller enough. Uh, but like they fast enough. She's like basically enough. just in like a sports bra and like underwear or sweatpants, yeah. you know. And like so is uh, what's her face? Well, just kind of like um, only ends up in like her under ruse because she's like. But wearing a shirt but it's like they they keep on having to get in and out of these suits yeah that i guess they just can't wear anything else in except like bathing well suits, it's like somehow you, know? you don't you don't get like the beefcake shots of yeah. like john gallagher jr vince cassell um which i mean you get that frog majesty going in there he uh he was cooking the grease in that movie i yeah, feel you like so? you were he, he you had attractive? like this like old man like raw sexuality thing going on you were lingering in that part of the menu i feel like like i want to go see him do like a good genre movie now you know like you not just go watch not Ocean's underwater. No, not Ocean's Twelve. <laughs> like I like it's like he needs to go play like a sea captain now. You know, he's kind of playing an undersea captain. Yeah, <laughs> but like the camera rightfully so was just like let's stay on case two a lot. Let's give her a lot of emoting shots. But then it wasn't. You know, the backup is like the rest of the the what's the effect? Uh, the montage effect where you. Show a person, you show different things, you show a person. Oh, um, yeah. Kulishnikov? Kulishnikov. Yeah. Kulishnikov. 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 Yeah, yeah the Kulishnikov. Like, it's like the rest of the movie wasn't there. There's, they're, they're kind of like, we're going to go here and here. It's like a map movie. But you have no real sense of the distance. And it, it, they keep making detours. It oh, looks, look, it's such and such station. It's like, well, that wasn't on the map. It looked like garbage, too. It yeah. Was just, yeah. Well, it's like, it didn't capture that good feeling of like, we're in the dark. Anything could be in the dark with us. It was just like, this looks like Blair Witch underwater. Yeah. Anyhow, yeah, I'll I'll include that for what I'm watching now because I haven't watched any TV recently. Not even you. I'm behind. Okay, first of all, you is not some like glorious like art piece. It's it's pure trash. Just inject it straight into your veins. Oh, here's the thing. I I can't. I can only like take so much you at a time. It's okay. like it makes me uncomfortable in an enjoyable way, but I can't just keep doing it. I have to like take it in small bites. Okay. Okay. Anyway, what are you listening to? Um, nothing really. I was kind of listening to my uh, end of the year 2019 playlist, but like I haven't listened to much music lately. I did finally listen to the uh, Rise of Skywalker soundtrack. It's I, okay. I bought it, but I hadn't listened to it. Yeah, it's 
it's fine. I mean, it's more coherent than the movie. Um, uh, again, that track is called A New Home. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Although, fucking Cristeria is just like, well, that's really up to the master. I, like, I did discover, because um, I just beat Borderlands 3, in the like, closing credits, they play a song called Trouble by a band called like Cave the Elephant or something, which I hadn't heard before. Cage the Elephant? Cage the Elephant, sure. It's, um, I think they might owe like a check to the Pixies for that song because of how close it is to Where Is My Mind, but still, I'm also in favor of more songs called Trouble. Yeah, man, yeah, yeah. Anyhow, what are you reading? Uh, I just finished a book called The Better Sister by Alifair Burke. Mm, Alifair. Yeah. It's an interesting name. Um, it's like a it's a very it's like a twenty nineteen book. It's it's a legal thriller, it's a mystery thriller. Um it's it's very much in that kind of airport paperback thriller. What was kind of hard about it was a huge contingent about it was the main character's a a female journalist who who started a, a movement that kind of branched off of me too. And so a third of the book is about how the internet's not a fun, safe, kind, respectful place to women. And granted I have it easy cause I'm, I'm, I'm a man, but like, you know, most mystery thrillers, if there's something gruesome or cob there, it's like you read it and then you put the book down and it's safe. It's in the book. It's away from you. But like this, it's like I put this book down and then that horror is still, the one we live in. And I really felt that too, just again, scrolling through the internet and he had seen people respond to, Oh, Hey, I put out an opinion about star Wars. And then I got mentions were just trash of like little demons and ghouls attacking me. So it's a good yeah. book, but, but you, uh, have not really read any books lately. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I, I still need to finish uh, the uh, book of dust part two. Which I have like one chapter left on, and for some reason I'm not finishing it. I don't know. I need to get back to that. Do you just not want it to end? No, I just I don't know. I got away from it, and I need to like force myself to get back into it. I guess. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I've been tooling around the internet looking for uh, like like alt endings to uh, the Rise of Skywalker. Those are fun to read. Any good ones? Uh, I'll I'll send them to you later. Okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. That means they're dirty. <laughs> all right well i think we have uh exhausted our other topics let's get to the main one i guess my question is i feel like our top moments are all going to be very similar but maybe in a different orders mm-hmm. i'm very curious about how our power rankings will align well we'll see um i guess i'll start with an opening all right hopefully this will be well, really short we are by the way again doing the 1992 film sneakers which is great, and you should go watch if you haven't seen it. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Uh, this is a fucking dad movie. <laughs> it This is a dad movie before I think we knew what dad movies were. Um, and I guess maybe that's partially our personality. I don't know. If I'm thinking of dad cinema, this is not the first movie that comes to my mind. Not that's the first that's film. like Ford versus Ferrari. You not know? the first film, but this is like a classic dad movie. Um, I want to sing this movie's praises. Uh I just want to say ahead of time, anything that I've missed is due to my many, many failings and the fact that this has been a positive force in my life for so long that I can't t- not take it for granted. Um, but, you know, as far as these characters go in their world and the, what the, the setup here is, I want these guys' lives. I want their job. I want their office. Um, this movie features a, a, a blind character who is not a gimmick. It's a human being. He's funny. He's respected. His skill set's absolutely used in the movie. This is a great cast. I love the score. I love the characters. I love the performances. I love the visuals. The movie feels fucking epic at times. It also gets corny as fuck other times. Um, 
it's real issues at play, definitely informed by the paranoia coming out of the idealism of the 60s, the paranoia of the 70s. It's like terrifyingly prescient to the bullshit today, but it's also like uncynical in a fashion that I love. It totally made me think for like 10 years of my life that I could defeat a motion sensor by walking very slowly past it. What do you mean think? Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, that's uh, truth. That's reality. Go with it. Uh, this movie walked with a, a stylish gait so that the Mission Impossible film franchise could run and jump out of things and explosions. Um, it easily melts big consequences and like personal stakes. Characters look stylish doing it. Um, uh, this movie follows the rules of a thriller so well that you'd think it invented it. And uh, I'm going to wager that it's a perfect movie. And if anyone disagrees, uh, fight me. All right. Well, my opening statement. This is a foundational text for me. I love this movie. It's in my top 20, if not my top 10. Um, I remember seeing this movie for the first time when I was like, I don't know, probably like 11 or something and thinking like, this is what I want to do with my life. I want this job. Um, it's such a fun movie. It's like part heist movie, part hacker movie, part paranoia movie. It's got a fantastic cast. I mean, River Phoenix in his prime, David Strathairn, Sidney fucking Poitier, James Earl Jones out of nowhere at the end. Um, this is one of those movies that they theoretically don't make anymore. It's that like mid-budget movie. Mm-hmm for adults ish, but it's not like, you know, like younger people can't enjoy this, you know, there's some language, whatever. There's one, one curse word. Yeah. Uh, it's well-crafted and directed. It's got some great sequences and set pieces. Fantastic score. Could not recommend higher to anyone who hasn't seen it before. Watch again. Now I I really notice a lot more of the like political angle. Like it's really wrestling with this like sixties counterculture in the nineties post cold war era, uh, which really makes Robert Redford like a great choice for the lead, you know? Yeah. They're, they're really using him not just as an actor, but like his persona. Well, especially the movies that he did in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got some minor nitpicks, but I think it still holds up tremendously well. If I had to show someone like five movies that kind of like would explain who I was them, I think this would be on the list. What's the context by which you have a person in your life? Know. Here are the five movies that describe me. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, if I had to. Like, would you bring like like a date back and you're like you want to see a movie that i'm really really passionate about and she's like sure and you're like sneakers 1992 directed by phil alvin robinson who previously directed phil of dreams i feel like you could do worse as a date movie no i i'm just i'm just trying to picture i'm just fanficking that i encounter you're just like hey baby let's just uh sneakers and chill mm-hmm. <laughs> um okay so we now each have taught 10 top moments uh, yeah, I've, I've got seven honorable mentions and then uh, my top three. So why don't you go first? Uh, my number 10, I think, is a it's a personal classic for you and I both. Hmm. Uh, this is probably one of the lines that randomly one of us quoted that was like our shibboleth. I was like, okay, maybe you get it. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I could have joined the NSA. And then I found out my parents are married. <laughs> I'll just say I had that higher on my list. Yeah. What an all-time disc. What a I'm always to... looking for places to use that, and then I was thinking to myself, it would probably be any inappropriate of me to say this, but I want to say it anyway. Well, what a weird way to call someone a bastard. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but he's fucking Robert Redford, so it works. <laughs> yeah, mine is, I suppose, at least a little bit related to that. I think it's the first scene with them is when Dick and Buddy there, Timothy Busfield and uh, the other dude, uh, first take a meeting with Martin when they're wow. in their first little thing where they kind of go over the roster of his crew. That low. And and then there's Martin Bishop. He doesn't seem to have a past. Opens a blank vanilla. Uh, I love the way it's shot where it's it's like 
it's not like a super like trick shot or anything no. but it just happens to be like oh look the angle is that we can rack focus you know to like over his shoulder and there's a person he's talking about doing something like it's simple and elegant you know yeah yeah um and i think no it's not that one it's it's the later shot where they end with both their art their arms kind of on the table like framing him like in the bars yeah yeah it's just understated but like good directing yeah uh my number nine and again some of these it's like some of these all belong in the top three um but number mm. number nine is whistler driving the van oh, i do not have that on my list you don't know this oh it's such yeah. a great sequence where the blind character has to drive the big ass van from way over there to way over here and robert reference giving him directions over yeah. the walkie-talkie like on the where, roof which one neutral is which one <laughs> you're gonna reverse, take yeah. a very gentle slope and yeah. <laughs> just this huge downward ankle well it it seems like a movie that's like endlessly coming up with like interesting twists on like set pieces and action scenes you know yeah but like you've set up this character and you've been true to him to put him in all these situations i really appreciate yeah my number nine and it's it's really hard to rank these but just liz's date with warner brandis yeah yeah (laughs) the leroy brown cover just (laughs) when she shows up and he's like oh are you ready for some dim sum and she's like oh not yet he's like cool and just like walks over to get be right back yeah yeah (laughs) does he remind you of anyone we both know like doesn't it just seem like werner brandis probably owns a samurai sword oh for sure yeah well it's interesting because being a suburban white kid i was not aware of this in the 90s the way the the culture and the you know the magazine journalism was and so I saw like this and like movies like Rising Sun, but like the fear of Japan, but also yeah. like the the love of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I'm sure Werner Brandis was like secretly very into anime. Mm-hmm. Um, you heard of this movie called Akira? Um, my number eight is it's it's a part of the opening bank heist, which is great. I know which moment you're thinking of. But it's at the very end when when they have to uh, do something with the clueless security card played by a very young Bodhi, Bodhi uh, Elfman. And David Strange on the phone with him, playing like uh, the the authority of the phone company. He's just like, "Oh, and son, good work." Yeah, he's like chewing on his pen. Yeah. <laughs> just like selling the human exploit there. Mm-hmm. See, I thought you were going to go with when uh, Robert Redford misses the jumping over the bank counter and falls. What a stunt! Well, this was back when like you could. This is like the kind of John Wayne model. Where it's like you could be an old man, and this is still technically an action thriller. <laughs> I don't know kind if I call of, it an action thriller. I don't of, know. A little the bit. The mid-budget action thriller? Yeah. I mean, no one's, no one's like blowing anyone away, you know? Like, there's like one or no, there's two gunshots or it's gunshots that hit or, people, I guess. There's know? a lot of knocks over the head. Sydney Pointer has yeah. a tough line. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Where are we at? Number eight? Yeah. Uh, so, minor bit. I mean, this whole sequence is good, but I wanted to highlight this. When everyone's dancing with Mary at the party, it's kind of like cutting the different characters dancing with her and just kind of like a good little way to like demonstrate each character, you know, like especially like the two that really stand out are like, um, Mother is like unexpectedly like pretty smooth. Yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, this guy probably like swing dances or something. Yeah. Like, this is his, his lane. Um, with his ex wife. Yeah. Probably the, uh, only time. Dan, Dan Aykroyd's ever seemed cool, um, and then Carl just you know going nuts. But yeah, all the all the like it's it's such a great little move to be like we're just going to give you a little bit of character moments here. When I was eleven, I did not appreciate the Liz character. Now really? I, I definitely absolutely. I mean, I liked her. Don't get me wrong, I loved her. But like I, she is the MVP of this movie. She is the glue that holds all this shit together. The fact that that the boys of toys and it takes place in a toy factory at the end is oh Liz. 
Uh, my number seven is, again, these all belong to the top moments. When the group is watching the playback of their surveillance footage of Janik. You're really fucked. message here on service, but yeah. you do not call. You're really fucked if you haven't seen this movie, because we're not like explaining a whole bunch here. They're trying to like see if the girlfriend's not blocking the password as she's trying to get in the motorboat. And then Whistler, nowhere near the monitor, because of course you can't see anyway, he's just like, gentlemen, the little black box is on the desk between the pencil jar and the whatever. And the lamp, yeah. And then Danica is, of course, just like, oh, uh, Wessler, I hate to break it to you, but you're blind. <laughs> but don't it's like, look, don't look, listen. Yeah. As he and then Robert his, gets uh, it immediately. As he hits his tuning forks that yeah. he has, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's actually my number seven as well. Uh, just the, them going over the video over and over. That I leave message here on service, but you do not call yeah. over and over. Um, Some classic uh, zoom in enhance stuff going on there. What's the thing about me? Guys, it's just a regular VCR. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number six is, I, I kind of crammed it all together. It's everything in Janik's office from the breaking in the door, to the, the uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, I'll try. Uh, to trying to convince Dr. Roshkoff to be cool. Be a beacon. <laughs> <laughs> well, who do you think paid for your little love jaunt to Mexico City? Yeah. Yeah, I've got the something from that scene out here. Oh, I uh, bet you do. <laughs> my number three is uh, one, or my number three honorable mention is what you previously mentioned. Uh, I could have joined the NSA. They found out my parents were married. Well, the, I love that line. When the one guy He's, just starts coming at him. <laughs> yeah, Tony Busfield has to hold him back. <laughs> that guy really threw me in this movie because he was Jonathan Kent in Lois and Clark. Oh, was he? Okay. He was always like this like big, sweet like teddy bear of a dad to Clark. And then he, he's fucking stone cold, dead-eyed killer. When you watched this movie when you were like 11, did you get that they were like American like turned mobsters? Because for some reason, for the longest time when I watched this movie, I thought he was like a Russian spy or something like that. Well, because the movie wants you to think that for, for a yeah, brief moment. Yeah. No, I, I, I think I never got when uh, Gregor is showing them the pictures uh-huh. that I, I thought he was showing them like Russian spies and not American agents. They're trying to turn like, I, I feel like I just got that like oh, the last few viewings of it. Yeah. I mean, when I was 11, I don't know if I quite got the complexities of the post cold war cold war dump of uh intelligence operational officers. Um, New title. <laughs> Gregor's fucking great in this movie. Um, this was the one I, I included when you said you had 10 and I wanted to bump mine up to 10 because I, I had, there's like three moments with these characters and I was went for another one, but the, I squeezed this in. It's the reunion of Martin and Cosmo. Pain. Try prison. Um, but just the, uh, it's Professor X and uh, Magneto meeting again after all these years. Mm-hmm. Like Cosmo has not had an equal that he can actually talk to who actually gets him in so long. He wants to show off, but he also has this seething rage towards Martin. But in the midst of it, there's a great moment too, where he's trying to explain how he got out of prison, how he faked his death that he helped him. How should we say good family men make a phone call and, and Robert Redford's like, Oh, like mafia organized crime. And he's like, don't kid yourself. They're not that organized. Do you want to do the dialogue from the scene? I don't have it. I just texted it to you. You can't check it on your computer. It didn't pop up. Wow, you sure did. Send me a long text. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Who do you want to be? Uh, you be Cosmo. I'd be Cosmo? You be Cosmo. I'll, I'll try to do his weird accent that he's doing in this movie. <laughs> in prison, I learned that everything in this world, including money, operates not on reality, 
but the perception of reality. Posit. People think a bank might be financially shaky. Consequence. People start to withdraw their money. Pretty soon it is financially shaky. Result. Pretty soon it's financially mm-hmm. shaky. Conclusion. You can make banks fail. Bzz, I've already done that. Maybe you've heard a few. Think bigger. Stock market? Yes. Currency market? Yes. Commodities market? Yes. Small countries? I might even be able to crash the whole damn system. Destroy all records of ownership. Think of it, Marty. No more rich people, no more poor people. Everybody's the same. Isn't that what we always said we said we said we always wanted? Cause you haven't gone crazy on me, have you? Who else is going to change the world, Marty? Greenpeace? <laughs> I feel like this was like my first introduction to economics. Yeah. As a kid. Well, like fringe economics, so sense well, too. But it just the idea of um like bank runs, you know, stuff like that. Well, and and, and the things that honestly Tyler Durden only kind of hints at. Yeah. But just, yeah, th- it really hit me when he says it this time, when I watched it this time. The, uh, it's all I about might, the information. I might be able to crash the whole damn system. <laughs> all right. Where are we at? Uh, five? Then my five. All right. Uh, so, yeah, the first sneak at the bank, just mm. that, that sequence. I love, I mean, him tripping over the counter. There's the, like, blackface joke, which I'm not... I didn't take it as a blackface joke. Well, I didn't take it as what that's what we're feeling is initiating. But obviously, how can Sydney Poitier not take it as that? Yeah, it's he's it, doing he's, like the sneak makeup. He, he's putting on like like a eye black over his whole face. Yeah, you know, like he's like in SEAL Team Six or something. Yeah, but yeah. like, I'm fascinated that that's in there. You know, it's it's uh, again that's a weird thing to be oddly prescient. Um, <laughs> but also it's like. They're bathed in this weird red light. It's like, it doesn't even matter, man. <laughs> but that's Carl for you. Yeah. Um, Winner four is... is I, I mean, I guess I should say with that, I'm I'm assuming that that was something that Sidney Poitier was, like, cool with and, like, wanted to specifically call out and not, you know, like, just some jackassery on the set, you know. I know they did a table read for this scene. Yeah. Because there's a lot of great... Um, talk or moments from it it mentioned in Tobolowski's podcast whereas he's there at the table read and so for like the first hour he's got nothing to do and every time he looks up there's another like famous actor sitting there (laughs) and he said at one point he just was like I had 10 minutes so I just really really studied how handsome Sidney Poitier is (laughs) Uh, number four is it's the one you mentioned before it's a scene in the conference room at I don't know the name of this organization sneakers inc they don't give the name i don't think we get to get their company's name yeah um we're both timothy busfield and john paquette from los clark show up to hire martin you've got this great thing where they're they're telling us who are these characters what's their skill set where are they from like so the rack focus back and forth because they have this great san francisco office where it's like these windows in the conference room you can see everyone's workstation on a technical level crease ex-cia yeah fired you know yeah mother you know 18 months for breaking and entering Best hands in the business. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's great. Like this is your five man band moment. You know, on a technical level, I, I fucking love how this scene is shot. Rewatching it now, it reminded me like Phil Adam Robinson, who doesn't do a whole lot of directing. Like he's very interesting of his transitions and stuff. And it's just playing on the focus of mentioning these characters. It's just from a technical level, it's fascinating. So that's why I put it so high. All right, where are we at? Uh, yeah, my honorable mention number one is just and give him head whenever he wants it. I figured, yeah, and give him. Give him help. Be a be a beacon in his sad and lonely life. Uh, well, just the because uh, uh, 
That's just what she would want you to do. Yeah. I, I do wonder <laughs> if there is a version of the script that's maybe like not as not as classy as the actors that are in it. Let's put it that way. So because it, it kind of it's it's like this is this is a little boys club, you know, yeah. where they have a, a clubhouse and, you know, yeah. like you definitely get that vibe occasionally. Oh, yeah. You, when Liz says it, like yeah. then you really start to notice it after. Uh, so written by the guys who wrote War Games, originally like mm-hmm. done in the 80s. You could see this starring a less uh, storied and, yeah. you know, honorable cast. Well, like the first draft, apparently Liz was like a bank employee. Okay. I imagine she's probably the lady who's like cutting the check. Man, I got some I got some words for that lady. Yeah. Oh yeah, seriously. I've I've always had issues with her. So number three. Um this is like an alternate number one. It's everyone making deals with the NSA at the end. But especially when James Earl Jones gets to Liz and she's just he's like, What about you? And she's like, Oh, I'm fine. <laughs> and Redford like looks at like he does like the double take, like, really? She's so mysterious. <laughs> We're in the United States government. We're not, we don't do that sort of thing. <laughs> uh, let's see. My number three is when they're retracing Martin's like route of his kidnapping mm. just by sound. Like that's such a cool, like the transition from uh, Whistler bubble, using his like bubble, synth bubble, to like bubble. generate the sound of a road to like actually cutting to the Dunbarton bridge. Like, yeah, it's not like a cocktail party. Yeah. Um, my number two is, the last conversation between Martin and Cosmo on the rooftop when, when Cosmo basically is just like, I don't want to be alone. And Martin's like, fuck you. <laughs> and he leaves the box. All right. My number two is the slow heist in Cosmo's office. Hmm. Just the, uh, they, they realize like, Oh no, like, Liz at the building, like something's gone wrong. You need to move faster. And he's like, that's the one thing I can't do. Cause yeah, just the, the idea of doing a high story, the guy can't move more than two inches sensor, per second yeah. because of the motion sensor. Well, then when Cosmo's like, wait, a computer paired her with him. <laughs> um, I, I, had, I do have to say, I, uh, I fold my trash ever since I saw this movie. I do the boxes anyway. Uh-huh. Um, does it ever make you paranoid about your trash? Not really, I guess, no. I guess because of the internet. It's not like I'm getting receipts from computer dating I mean, things I, that I'm throwing away. Anytime I get something like in the mail, I tear it in half and think, yeah, that's good. And then I put it in the trash. Fooled you. Yeah. Hackers. <laughs> uh, I feel like we're going to have the same number one. But for sure, for me, number one is the Scrabble scene. There's that sequence, Scrabble and playing with Janik's little black box. Yeah, Liz and Martin are figuring out the anagram, including Cootie's rat semen. Um, Monterey's coast. Monterey's coast. When you see the reflection of the sudden like data stream on Whistler's it's so glasses, cool. Yeah. yeah. Which is like again, I think this had to be an inspiration, even in the smallest way, for like the Matrix. Yeah, just the uh, when it like he's like testing the different like uh, RAM registers or something, and he like it flashes briefly on screen this massive wall of text. And then there's a delay because he's already moved to the next one. And Whistler's like, whoa, go yeah. back one. Well, and then just the the Braille keyboard is yeah. so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. The the score in that, like, it's like oh, the these score. like crazy like TikTok like watch beats and like somebody just pounding on keys on a keyboard. Like, like yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. James Horner's sneaker score is is really great. Yeah. It's like it's like saxophone and like coral. It's a it's a little sexy jazz. It's like say. it's very different. Like I feel like these days most scores you've got like the Alan Silvestri's and you've got like uh 
kind of like the Zimmer do- dominates like almost Aww. everything. Yeah. And then like occasionally you've got like the kind of weird, you know, like uh, Trent Reznor. Or you got Elfman. Dude, I mean, Elfman like barely legacy. does anything anymore. Yeah. Well, he's teaching master classes now. Yeah. But yeah, like Zimmer dominates so much. And then it's like, if it's not that, it's usually like ambient, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think you started to see even on TV, probably easier on TV, yeah. the return of like the 80s synth, uh-huh. which I think in the 90s, like the easy tread that like Mark Snow waged and and how easy it is to do that. Um, like people like talk about like the Stranger Things soundtrack, like it's high well, art. That, one of the reasons uh, Hans Zimmer is, is so taken over, aside from doing good scores, is that he his style doesn't require a full orchestra like they do that all in in mm. midi with software instruments mm. um and software instruments are better at percussion and kind of like um like percussive violin you know like they're not good at melody as much as they are well he does very interesting like little tricks within that that i uh-huh. think are easier to do when you're not having a full orchestra you're conducting i can't remember what the effect is but the effect that he's using throughout um dunkirk of all things to make it seem like the it's like going down this never ending scale when yeah. really it's just going back up and down. Um, he's doing like the new Bond movie, is he? Yeah. yeah. Like whoever the composer was dropped out. I guess it'll be interesting to hear him do Bond, but Bond. like, but like you couldn't if you took his like software instrument package and tried to do like a Star Wars score, it wouldn't sound good because it's those those instruments are not like optimized for that type of music. Well, there's there's a reason John Williams is going to be John Williams. Yeah. All right. Well, those were our top 10. Um, I guess we move complaints to the end, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get into it, man. Start off with the few astral clerks repel Newark. <laughs> All these great little uh, anagrams in the opening here. It's a playful movie, man. From the very beginning. Uh, Young Cosmo looks a lot like David Paymer to me. Who's David Paymer? David Paymer is, is the, the guy the, um... from Payback who's like, are you going to fucking kill me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, right, yeah. He looks like that guy to me a lot. The guy playing young Robert Redford, who boy, that's a tough one. That's a bad wig. I he's, thought he was fine. I don't he's know. He's like, he's trying to do like the uh, Burt Reynolds I think when I was, imitation thing where he's like, so I, uh, Cosmo. I think when I was 11, I probably thought that was Robert Redford because it's stupid, you know? Well, but here's what I love about this movie is that they did cast young actors to yeah. play these roles and not do like some kind of weird thing where they shave off the wrinkles. <laughs> yeah. They just wouldn't recast. But against the 60s, there's no consequences. These guys seem like they're just begging to get caught. Oh, and they're just doing it at their college. Yeah. yeah. They just do, doing their I don't know. It's I feel like I've watched in so many movies or TV shows and read so many books that have this sort of hacker origin story. Mm-hmm. You know, they just like guys on like college campuses or like, you know, screwing around with like the Captain Crunch whistles and stuff like that. Yeah. A lot of good material from that era of the, uh, the super hacker. Although they don't totally lean into like the, the hacker stuff in this, you know? No, no, that's why it's, it's, it's more about, cause a lot of that back then was like social engineering mm. and, and hacking in the more true sense of the word, like not computer stuff, but just like little tricks as opposed to like, just like freaking and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, and like, that's what's so shocking is this movie was not well reviewed when it came out. Ebert said that blows that it, my mind. Yeah, Ebert said it was like too obsessed with its technology, which is like not really the case. No, it's it's like I feel like it's so light of a touch. Well, like on even the tech, the sequence we'll, we'll get to, but like when they're when they're 
Anybody talking, want to ca- crash a passenger line? Well, they're talking to James Earl Jones on the phone. Mm-hmm. And it's like, essentially, it's just a ticking clock. It's not even really about the technology of that sequence. Uh, but we see that, you know, Cosmo possesses a certain skill for duplicity, which uh, was Billy Mumford's well, that's, tragic I, downfall. I feel like that's how you know it's okay not to like this guy. Yeah. You're like, oh, man, he he did screw him over on the, uh, you know, pick the uh, the coin to go it out to get pizza. Snowing. So he deserves to get caught yeah, and, and go to jail. It was snowing and you're sending your friend out in a van that won't start. Yeah. Yeah. One cannot trust anyone these days. <laughs> but it's like, again, it's like. Not like Robert Redford called the cops. Also, uh, young Cosmo, they're much better at that trick than old Cosmo. Oh, for sure. I don't know if old Cosmo's had a lot of practice. Yeah, sure. But also, it's like, what the fuck was young Robert Redford supposed to do? Like, what was Marty supposed to do? Like, go tackle go, the go cops? Go get caught, too? Yeah. You know? like, yeah. like, in solidarity? Yeah. It's, it's, I feel like that's the, uh, you know, like, Thieves uh, Code or whatever. Yeah. You get caught, tough luck. <laughs> What's the... There's a thing in 30 Rock when they bring in... Uh, but Kelsey Grammer as like the super like thieves friends or whatever. He's just like, all right, guys, I'm in on one condition. If we get burned. We leave that guy behind no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we get this great transition because we're watching this like opening flashback on like essentially like what, like Academy box ratio for the flashback. And it's a screen. And as we pull back, you know, and we get into the snow, it turns into static. It turns on the into the snow crash. Yeah. What a fucking slick as fuck transition. It's great. This is like 1982. This is not like 2019 flashy bullshit. I love how much snow there is where it's like, how is that van going anywhere? Oh, like, I, I'm amazed. It wasn't, even, though. Yeah. 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 So I was on the foot. Um, was Sir Reed's Playboy in Braille? I went out for pizza. Then I went to Canada. <laughs> I also love that line. Yeah. The, the first hack there with mother like hanging from his little harness. Like, I, I always like the technology's old enough that I don't. I kind of understand it, but I don't totally understand it. You know, he's yeah. he seemingly has really good hands, which like at one point he's using to probe different like wires to figure out which one is like the phone line, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And Whistler has like such amazing ears that he can tell like which ones are the right one. Right. Like it, it's it's interesting and like I had no idea whether or not that's real, but like within the movie, it's like it feels right. You're like, okay. I can see how like experts could do something like this. Well, their van is fascinating because it has this whole like panel on the side that's like a one way window that they can see through when uh-huh. like, they're doing surveillance. But like when they do the other hand of that, where they're with the security guard, and then he like he keeps looking at this like bank of phones that somehow also the fire alarm. It's like I don't know the details of this, but I don't really need to. The movie communicates what's at stake just fine. Um, but I feel like Dan Aykroyd's basically playing himself in this movie, just minus the Crystal Skull vodka and the ghost handies. Well, it's interesting because this is, uh, you don't see this anywhere because this would be some crazy MAGA asshole. Yeah. But this was like the lefty conspiracy theorist yeah. who doesn't really exist much anymore, I don't no, feel like. No. Uh, but yeah, he, he's got like union uh, support stickers on his helmet and stuff like that. Like he would have like, he'd, I, like deleted scene would be like him talking about his like 40 in time subscription. Yeah, like he's not quite the Randy Quaid. Like Randy Quaid, is, I feel like, is like the weird alternate yeah. choice for this role. Um, I found myself like disliking Mother for some reason really? in this movie. I, I, I feel like this is one of the only movies that I like Dan Aykroyd in. Yeah. He's, he's definitely weird and like he's there to kind of like annoy Crease most of the time. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, I enjoyed him. They're a good pairing. And I feel like he, they don't overdo it with Mother. No, you know? no. Oh, just there's something funny about that. I've never had a car that I fit really comfortable in, so I want a Winnebago. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so they just they basically they're if you haven't picked up from it, their job is that they're hired by like things like banks to test their security because they try to break in consultancy company, I guess. Um, What an amazing job! Which is what all the the big name hackers that got caught eventually went on to do. Your Kevin Mitnick's, your Frank Abagnale Jr. Free Kevin, man. Yeah, free Kevin. Um, Yeah, Yeah, I I love the OG hacker vibes of it. Um. So the next the next day he goes and he's he's basically by putting something in the safety deposit box that causes smoke to come out like a small incendiary device sets off the smoke alarm they trick the security guard blah 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 they get in well they they use the smoke alarm as soon as it goes off they break in yeah and the security guard doesn't notice it because the alarm just went right, off right. in another part and so he's busy with that they go cut the alarm and he's called the alarm company who he thinks is the alarm company it's really them yeah and then they uh, use the computer to deposit some money into their bank account the and they day, come back the next day and they withdraw it. Yeah. And then he just, he walks out. There's a great bit where he like, he sees the security guard and he just like, then goes right upstairs to like the conference room where they're waiting for him. There's a funny moment to me where, um, Oh, we, 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 we not too flashy, but we passed the part where they, uh, we get a quick touch of touch of evil. Yeah. He's screen. watching touch of evil. The security With guard is Charlton has some playing the Mexican detective, but he says in the line, I looked in that box just now. There wasn't anything there, which is a great like mm-hmm. lead. Or leading to what's coming later. Um, yeah, and he just throws all the money that he stole onto the uh, just had a bank feeling. executive's desk, and it's just like, yeah, here's all the ways your security sucks. Is it a weird? He's got my money check. wasn't safe here anymore. Yeah. Well, what's what's? It's a real power move to do that. But the dig move to me is he says, "Gentlemen," and it's like the first person closest to the door is a woman. <laughs> yeah, it's the nineties. Uh, but yeah, so later, this is this is our villain of the movie. Uh, he's another bank employee, a different bank employee, is typing up his check, and she's like, so here's the setup. And she says, so people hire you to break into their places to ensure that no one can break into their places? And he's like, yeah, it's a living. That's our movie. And she's like, not a very good one. It's like, fuck you. It sounds great. Yeah, what are you talking? <laughs> not a very good one. That's the greatest job in the history of the world. What are you talking about? Oh my god! I would burn it's, my workplace to the ground to go do that. Your job is to like come up with like bank high schemes. It sounds like so much fun. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, so it's actually I see the the name of the company is Martin Bishop and Associates. Apparently, okay. Um, I I think that that woman's probably was Liz in the first draft. You think so? Well, she's like she's basically coming up with their whole gist of their thing. I could see where they would. Bring I guess her back. I like kind of headcanon the idea that Liz help them out on some other job when they were dating or all i know is that that, in the in the first draft of the script she was a bank employee Hmm. um i love the uh we get the great shot though as they as he walks outside that they're clearly being watched from a car one of these guys has a sinister red mustache a very sinister bright red mustache Um, timothy fucking busfield man sacramento native yeah and then you have the shot of carl he's like walking in his socks uh, River Phoenix here. It's like, does he have to take a massive dump or something? Like the way he's walking, it's like it's crowning, and he needs to get to the bathroom immediately. It's a turtle's head, man. Yeah, he's also wearing scrubs for yeah. some reason. Carl's eccentric. Um, Matthew, Carl would have been like Matthew Gray Grubler in, in a modern version of this. I love that when you see their workstations, they're all like a fucking mess. Like oh yeah, they're, they're is, lived in. This is such like a like awesome like work. Yeah, environment. It's like massive loft in uh, San Francisco. It's great. It's fucking great. Um, Re- yeah, Robert Redford really runs the gamut in this movie from like looking very stylish to like wearing Kmart sweaters. Yeah, it's Robert Redford though. You can make it work. Um, these guys are all experts in their field of various hacking, espionage, spycraft shit. Until recently, though, they had to they had hired a typist 
just to type. <laughs> like they can't type. Uh-huh. Like the question is not like who's going to do the report. It's who's going to type up the report. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to point out Carl, Carl's look here. He has like kind of those like teal scrubs on like a scrub yeah. top for some reason. Yeah. With like a plaid button up shirt over it and like sweatpants. It's a look. Okay. That's the nineties. That's a look, man. River Phoenix is doing fine. Or was doing fine. Yeah. It's a good looking until man. Until he wasn't. Yeah, until he wasn't. Uh so new clients, of course. This is how do you how do you perceive how how good they are? Is how expensive were their shoes? I just wondered how do they advertise this business? They have this cool conference room that's all like glass windows around it. Yeah. How the fuck do you advertise this business? Like how do people know to hire Martin Bishop and Associates? Um, well, I, I can't remember the exact line that Buddy here says is just as they're coming in to sit down, like like Robert Redford's like halfway in his seat mm-hmm. when like Buddy says something like he like really like changes the the, the vibe of the conversation. So you got to work for the government. It, and Robert Redford's just like it's not no not even that yet. It's just when he's just sitting down. Uh-oh. It's like oh, okay, this is going to be a little bit of a different conversation. Yeah, not going to help yeah. you guys. Yeah, yeah. you know you're not the usual rubes. Yeah. yeah. Um. So he's basically what we didn't talk about in the top moments part is. So they're going through, like, they have, like, these dossiers on every member of the team. Oh, you're not kidding. He's really dressed like a doctor. River Phoenix. I just saw He's it. wearing scrubs. Like, yeah, yeah, he's wearing full-on scrubs. <laughs> yeah, he has, like, these dossiers. And the best part is when they get to Robert Redford's character, oh, and then Martin Bishop, and they open up the folder, the middle of the folder, and it's completely empty. Martin it's, Bishop doesn't seem to have a past, does he? Yeah, and then they drop the hammer on their way out. Give us a call if you're uh, interested, Mr. Mr. Bryce. Mr. Bryce. <laughs> Fucking Timothy Busfield. He's He's... Fantastic. If ever there was somebody born to play like a molesting priest, you know. Wow. Wowzer. I think that's CJ Craig's husband. Or uh, what did he play? Like one of the crew guys on uh, Studio 60. I think he's great in this movie as like the too smarmy, the too enthusiastic guy. Although I'm very curious when we see like the real Timothy Busfield later. What do you mean the real? Because Gregor tells us that like these guys are all clearly they've got some kind of issue, whether it be sexual or financial. Do we see the real Timothy? Well, he's like slick back hair. That's his whole look. I don't remember that. Oh, when you scroll through it later, you'll see like his whole real look is like slick back hair, like a villain. Um, yeah. So the camera, of course, moves on real tight on Bedford. You know, towards the end here. When he pulls up in front of their like, they drop the Mister Bryce, and he's like, "Well, shit, I, I." and then they give him an envelope with his like old wanted poster in it. Yeah. And so then it cuts to him like they've left, but now he's just going to go meet them. You know, I kind of wonder if there was a scene in between there they cut or something. Or if the uh, one where he's telling the team. Yeah. What's going on. Yeah. If they move that around the cut, but he goes over to this like federal building and there's like, you know, scaffolding outside and a homeless guy. Government and he, he took my home. Yeah. He gives the guy money and then he's just like, talk to him. And he like p- points to these posters of uh, Bush. George Bush. George H.W. Bush. Yeah. yeah. It says it can happen here, or it can't happen here. What do you think about this uh, car that Bradford drives? It's like a old, like little roadster from like the seventies or sixties or something. Convertible. It's a that is definitely I'm forty. You know, the only thing that's missing, and granted, there these are guys of certain age. Is the one scene later? I want him to like jump in, or or at least do a slide across the hood, you know, or something. But I mean, you have a convertible, jump in or jump out. I don't know. Yeah, so he goes to see them. That's when you get the, you know, I could have joined the NSA. Then I found out my parents are married. And uh, Wallace just comes like charging yeah. at him. <laughs> frankly, because we frankly. <laughs> see, the thing is, it's kind of illegal. Yeah, well, so they, 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 are, they purport to be the NSA. They would like to, him 
to steal this uh, mathematician's little black box that they've heard intel about. Yeah. They think the Russians are funding this guy. They don't know what this little black box is, and they want it. Well, so earlier they had gone into, oh, so you guys are CIA, or you guys are, you just topple unfriendly dictators. No, that's the CIA. Oh, you're the guys I hear breathing under my phone. No, that's the FBI. We protect our com- country's communications. Not not uh, chartered to operate on uh, domestic soil, which is like very interesting, you know, yeah. 15 years later, stuff going on. But I'm really impressed whenever the scheme in any movie or anything involves someone having to fake an office. Like like in the game, that whole office is fascinating. But like the like the counter of this, I guess, is that presumably they were waiting in whatever the waiting room was for him or whatever. Like I mean, mean, it's a it's a good con because they've put Robert Redford on the defensive. They flash some badges and then they're holding out the carrot that says, "Hey, we can we don't right. have to fuck you over." You know, we we could you know you scratch our back, we'll help you out. We'll well, he's name. he's helping to help them recreate. Or yeah. to believe the con, he's he's incepting himself. But like presumably, then he hasn't seen a single other employee in this billion oh, yeah, that they've taken over. Could potentially have like hired a few. Well, it reminds me. Yeah. There's a there's a great bit towards the end of Charade where Cary Grant is taking Audrey Hepburn to meet some guy at his office, but the guy is ultimately him. So he excuses himself and he's just like, "Go on in, and I'll, I'll meet you in a second And then he goes in like the side <laughs> door and he's like sitting behind the desk when she comes in. Um, but I always love. I always love when the bad guy forces a good guy into something under the guise of a choice. And Robert Efford says, and what if I say no? And they're just like, don't, don't say, say no. no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he has to go back to the team. Sneakers Inc. can be like, okay, guys, here's the thing. But, you know, if you don't want to keep me out of jail. And I love that David Strathairn and River Phoenix are like, well, we don't really care if you go to jail. We want the money. Yeah. But but the the catch is this guy might be a, like a Russian asset who they're sneaking. So... Potentially, there could be like dangerous security there. They don't really know. Target is live, but unaware. Yeah. Um, also, 90s, 175 grand. It seems like it's worth doing the thing so for. Are they splitting that up or do they each get 175 grand? I feel like, they, well, I think they're splitting it. I mean, what does that come out to? Like 40 grand at, at most? Well, I Less feel like these grand? guys have some negotiation where it's like, Marty, what you're getting is not going to jail. What we're getting yeah. is splitting 175 for Seriously. Ways. But this is the moment later on. Crease has some issues. I would have thought at this point, Crease would have done a background check on their clients. Yeah, I mean, you just have to go with it, basically. You know, like they, they, they all they all just kind of take his word at it. Because later he's just like, they just flash some badges and you believe them. It's just like, well, Crease, what is your job here? Are you not the security guy? <laughs> anyway. Um, so everyone, you know, stops mentioning when he asked that he needs to get Liz to accompany him to the lecture so she can explain it to him. Um, See, from this, I assume that Liz is someone who's just like from a higher class of oh, people sure. in San Francisco, rub shoulders with academics. And uh, like, she's like his, his cover and his like entree into like, you know, social situations he couldn't normally get into. Have you seen Liz's apartment? Liz makes money. Yeah. Liz makes well, she's like a, money. Like a super high class piano teacher. To like special, special, like, like to geniuses, yeah, basically. Like, like little yeah. geniuses, um, little phenoms. Um, but yeah, she points out, you know, that you, you don't have a business, you have a little club. I'm fucking a little boys club. I'm fucking dying for Martin Liz's backstory because even Gregor, Gregor is just like, like, Martin, my heart leaps to see you two back together. I mean, you have to figure they, they've probably dated for at least a couple of years. Oh, you know, but she knows. She's the only one who knows about his his mysterious, you know, her subtle past. jabs. Yeah. The silliness of his masculinity display here is is dead on. I mean, 
her whole like boys of toys thing is absolutely right at the end of the movie um for fun yeah she goes to things with like mathematicians and economists but i guess that she's kind of into his vulnerability she reminded me a little bit of oh, that's, Farmiga in, that's uh, what he Departed. has to- that's what he has to use is the uh, they found me, Liz. But like like in The Departed, when like Vera Farmiga is just like, I don't want to help you. And then he's like, like DiCaprio like is freaking out. And she's I feel just like, like there's like a sploosh. a more raw sexual angle to that in The Departed than there is in this. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that Robert Redford and Mary McDonald are just like railing each other. I'd like to think that. That's some 90s hair just. Yeah. Waving around like waving the ocean. Around. Um, also, this movie is a great like redemption of, of Redford after uh, a decent proposal. Seeing that, yes, <laughs> he is the one making the indecent He's, proposal. Woody Harrelson's the husband. Like, yeah, the, yeah, okay, right. I believe they call him the cuckold. Yes. <laughs> uh, so let me ask you a question: mm-hmm. What if we both adopted Donald's Donald Logue's look in this movie? I don't think either of us could pull off Donald Logue's look. You may be more than me. White turtleneck, white suit, long hair. Yes. Long blonde hair, white suit, white turtleneck under the white suit. What a look. <laughs> and just talking about math the whole time. But I love the numbers are, are so astronomically huge that all the computers in the world couldn't break them down. But what if? What if? <laughs> yeah, but I love that. Like also the Martin's like second like uh, bit of vulnerability with Liz. He's like, I need you to explain it to me. Well, she, when he says <laughs> I need you, she has this look like ah. Like, but twice he does that to her. He knows what works on her. But I don't think it's working there. I think she's just like, oh, Jesus, this is awkward. Well, but later it's totally working. When he says, I can't do this alone. Later it's definitely working. Yeah. Here she's just like, oh, this is pathetic. Well, you got a great bit where they're, where they're like kind of chatting like while they're watching this lecture. And he, she's like talking about it's like about cryptography. It's about codes, unbreakable codes. And they're just like, he's like, are you seeing anyone? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Greg. And then- well, and then Liz, at, at, after the lecture, when uh, Gunther Janik is like holding court at like this luncheon or whatever, <laughs> uh, Liz correctly uh, deduces, she's like, I'll bet he's done it. I'll bet he's, you know, cracked the, he's invented something that, that basically is a shortcut around cryptography mm-hmm. that, you know, rather than needing all the computers in the world, he's, it's found a shortcut that can crack these codes. Just the look of Janik too, and he's got like the equations projected onto him yeah (laughs) love it but yeah so they run to greg who's now a cultural attache who's seemingly like ex-kgb you know yeah yeah but knows about these two who somehow like has rubbed shoulders with the martin bishop uh, security now that our countries are such good friends maybe you could do some work for me (laughs) but like liz is fascinating because she's just like i don't trust him i don't trust that later you're like i don't trust greg as greg does some untrustworthy things and yet um, I don't know. I kind of wonder if if some younger person were to listen to this podcast and actually be inspired by our words to go watch this movie, would some of this post Cold War wackiness like confuse the fuck out of them? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, you really need to know like the time period this movie came out to a certain degree. Like the wall had just fallen. Yeah, much. yeah. Like it's fresh. Yeah, yeah. So they they uh, they've followed this guy. Like to- Liz's look. Is not, I mean, it's very 90s, right? Uh-huh. But at the same time, she could have this exact look, hair and outfit, in like a Blade Runner movie. Sure. Yeah. She's got the little like choker yeah. situation going on. Yeah. So uh, he has to ditch Liz because he sees a, a, a female doctor coming in to talk to Janik and he's got to tail them. Mm. And he tails them like to their office. And that's where like their like security 
van. It's like on a parking garage, uh, you know, on the other other side of it. Later, you'll find out where that van actually is. That's a fucking perfect vantage point. Uh, did Redford create this look of like the sports jacket over a t-shirt? Is that a t-shirt? Well, or is it a, like a Kmart sweater? Because he does that. I guess that's more of a t-shirt. Yeah. But I mean, I feel like that's this... like a no. That's like a um, Miami Vice thing, isn't it? Miami Vice is more like pastel suits, but it's still it's a t-shirt. But still, this is like a tweed jacket over just like a gray shirt. I feel like this is a Redford classic. Yeah. I pioneered that look, only I lose the jacket. And you put a hoodie on? Sure. Like Mr. Robot? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so Dr. Rishkoff shows up with Gunter. They're about to go to fuck town in Gunter's office. I give you something to work, baby. Like they did in Mexico City. Uh, Lee Garlington, who was supposed to be the female lead in Seinfeld, or the Seinfeld Chronicles. Oh, yeah. She was the waitress in the first episode. And then rightly so, when they got picked up the series, they were like, you can't have three guys who are in this social class and the female lead serves them every week. That doesn't make any sense. So they created a lane. Um, But yeah, we find out Martin's team is a group of raging horn dogs. I mean, there's a whole lot of like, let me see, let me see. There, this couple like might get to fucking and we're doing surveillance. I want to, you know, take a peek. Which I guess, like in the '90s, there was no internet porn, so maybe people are just like well, more more horny for that back then. There was, but the sound for it to go down was. <laughs> this is early '90s, and then a connection was made. Yeah. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> oh, uh, keep going. <laughs> There's a little social engineering, but I mean, they're definitely watching like him motorboat, right? I I just I can't buy Crease really being like, let me see, oh, I like know. unless he's just like he's like a raging horn dog. They're all raging horn dog, yeah. you know. Well, I mean, Mother's probably the one who's got the most porn. I'd be my guess. Oh, he's probably yeah. He's got Mother's like, either of it. Mother's either just come from nutting or he's on his way to nutting. Uh, whenever you see him, <laughs> I like how they show him. He's just like in this harness, like hanging outside the building. With like a, a shotgun microphone, like get audio. Was it? Like, he's only got like four safety straps on this time. No parachute. <laughs> but eventually, they're they're trying to get him. Though he's going to log in his computer, which they, I don't know what they would even done with that. You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then uh, Doctor Rishkoff is like, no, it's time to fuck. Mm-hmm. So they don't really get much from it, and they watch the video the next day, trying to figure out his uh, login. I tell you that one thing the movie taught me is I would never put my computer screen facing window yeah yeah really what a fucking amateur move that is yeah so they watch the video the next day they don't get the password he's logging in with but they do thanks to whistler's help realize that uh she keeps saying i leave message here on service but you do not call and uh they've described the room to whistler and there's an answering machine on the desk and so it's like what does he need an answering machine for if he has a service you and it's it's so fucking brilliant the way they hack your brain this because you don't realize it. They're playing the video back over and over again, and trying to look at the keyboard. The, uh... Yeah, you keep going past the line. And then finally, he's just like, you got to listen. Um, so they need to break into the office now that they, they know where the device is. So they're going to do a little social engineering where Carl's the delivery guy who's like trying to deliver a, 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 bunch, of gra- a bunch of Drano. Yeah. Like a liquid Drano, the front security guard, who's just like, you're not on the list. And the guy, Carl's just like, buddy, I'm going to lose my job. And then Redford plays it off totally cool as like, Oh, my wife is late. She was supposed just to drop, drop off, off the cake, cake and the balloons. And he's got a bunch of balloons and a cake. And, and buddy, could you just buzz the fucking button? It's yeah. like, it's like just playing, buzz the goddamn, you know. But it's playing on button. like the uh, the plight of like the uh, middle class white guy. Well, it's overwhelming the job. him. Yeah, just overwhelming yeah. the fuck out of this guy. Um, 
Then he gets in. Of course, there's an electronic keypad to Janik's office. That he solves by kicking it with help from mother. Okay. Who, an old buddy of mine, Desert Storm, said this to me. Of course, he was on the other side. <laughs> and he had this great scene where he's, you see him just like listening to his earpiece about like getting the instructions. Uh-huh. 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 Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'll give it a try. <laughs> just kicks it open. Just yeah. Kicks it open. <laughs> They find the the answering machine in there. It does indeed. If you open it up, there's no tapes in there, but it, there's like a, you know, the open the false top to it. And there's like this like computer chip and wiring underneath. And so just as he's putting in his briefcase to get out of there, Dr. Rishkoff shows up and he has to semi take her hostage briefly. Yeah. yeah. And then explain with help uh, from the radio that he's a PI investigating Gunther's affair. There's secretly a Mrs. Janik. Well, then so now she wants to go kill Gunther. Yeah. And he's like, no, no, no. Because that's exactly what she would want you to do. Yeah. And I love it's like she's uh, she's been withholding marital favors. Is <laughs> why why she's she a bad in, wife. She lives in Toronto. Has real estate holdings. Vast real estate holdings. Shopping malls. Two, two shopping, shopping malls. <laughs> but if you love him, if you really love him, just, just keep on, keep loving, on him. loving him. And give him head whenever he wants. Yeah. Give him head. Be a beacon. Yeah, and then it's just like party time. They put on quite the spread, like like chain, they chain, party chain. after their uh, well their successful heist with all these like crazy lights and streamers, heavy and on decorations, a fuck ton of balloons and lights and streamers. The food here is the menu is champagne, celery sticks, grapes, bread. Like, is it possible it's also New Year's Eve or something? Yeah, you know? but who who on the staff do you think was in charge of like the shopping list for the food? Probably Carl. You think this is Carl? Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, when Whistler sits and he's like, he's got, he's doing the fucking thing at the party that you hate, where you're bouncing the goddamn plate on your knees like yep. a fucking animal, and you see that food, and you're like, that's trash. I love the way Whistler dances. Yeah. But yeah, poor Liz has to dance with every one of these assholes in a montage as uh, Chain of Fools is playing. And then later at the party, some fucking Bob Dylan. God There's the Bob. bit where they're talking about what they'll do with the money and, uh, Carl, like he, like you know, inhales a bunch of helium from their balloons because they, I mean, they went all out with this party. They've got balloons and everything. Yeah. Um, you know, or like an eight people party. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> like your main cast members, Liz and uh, Chris's wife, wife and daughter, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's like, oh, I want to, you know, a, a relationship with a beautiful woman or something. I can't remember the exact line. Something like that. Meaningful relationship says, with a beautiful yeah. woman. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, you know, kind of like Liz. And he's oh, like, you, you're definitely not getting paid that much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, $175,000. If Ezra Fitz would tell you it was here, he'd tell you, like, that's a good candle budget. He's got to spend a lot of candles. Um, yeah, so Dan Aykroyd is horrid at parties here. He's trying to convince Sidney Poitier's wife that her husband knows all about cattle mutilations because he's former CIA. <laughs> and how the CIA is going to give the aliens as much, many calips as they want. Exchange for alien technology. So then they get talking about Cosmo. They get a little serious. So how come you were never caught? They say to Marty and Marty's like, well, I went out for pizza. And then in Canada. It's like, oh. And we find out that Cosmo died in jail. Because they hinted earlier. Did like, they ever forgive you? He's asked. Yeah. Well, the, earlier, it's like, you know what happened to him in jail or something like that. But you don't, you, you the audience member, don't know yet. You know, it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. The movie sets up a couple of times. It's just like, oh, you know about this thing. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, Mother's Dream purchases the fucking Winnebago for Big Kitchen. So then so, they, they get to the Scrabble game here. Well, which, any party, it's time to break out some jazz and some Scrabble. I'm not sure how Liz wouldn't know that scrunchy is a word. And that Robert Redford would. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because he's going like scrunchy face, which like yeah, scrunchies. Well, those are a thing. Have a lot of hair for a scrunchie. She's never. She's always kept her hair short, and so she never knows what a scrunchie is. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Well. What gets me about this scene is that this is all this whole scene here from this point on at the Scrabble table is going to be Liz and Martin. Apparently, Crease and his wife are just sitting there and they're being just like, like, "We'll watch. That's fine." Thanks. We were playing Scrabble, and yeah. then you just you couldn't have used the letters over there from the bag, you know? Okay. Thanks. Like Crease's wife is like, "I'm never coming to one of these fucking functions again." Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the bit where Whistler starts poking around the black box that they've got because the handoff is until tomorrow. And then he gets Carl over there. And he's like, Whoa. hey, what's this? What's that? And they're like, hey, hey, guys, knock it off. And they're just like, oh, no, we're not doing anything. When they keep on like, you well, know. Also, poor Liz. Trying to get her Scrabble on with some adults at an adult party. Telling an anecdote. And then her kind of boyfriend is just like, C-Tech. C-Tech astronomy. <laughs> and just ruins the whole game. Yeah. Yeah. Cooties rat semen. Yeah. So they figure out with, with Mother Whistler and Carl all like probing this uh, little black box. That uh, there's like one RAM register that like when they like prod it with like a, I don't know, like an input instrument or something like that, like crazy code, you know, starts flowing. And so they whistlers like, hey, Carl, like, give me give me the, the IP address of like something unhackable, something that we can never access. And he's just like, how about the uh, what's the first one he does? Federal Reserve. Yeah, I think so. Uh, like transfer bank or something. He's like, OK. And he's like, you won't get in. It. It's encrypted. And so he types in the thing and it comes up and it's all just like this encrypted, you know, nonsense. And then he's like, okay, mother, go ahead and like hit the, uh, hit that region, hit that, you know, Ram register. And then it just like suddenly decrypts and it's like, boom, you know, anyone who uh, crashed federal reserve. Well, they know they get to the, uh, the FTA. Well, they, they do federal reserve and then power grid and the Eastern seaboard, like national power grid. And then the, uh, the FAA. FAA. Yeah. And he's just like, anyone want to crash a couple commercial airliners? So they've, they've landed on too many secrets was the uh, anagram for C-Tech astronomy. Gen X and really the, doing some editorializing there. Yeah. And Carl has the great line where he says, it's a code breaker. And then Robert Ford says, no, it's the code breaker. So they go into oh shit mode. They send Kreese's wife and daughter away. Uh, the line time to get some security in here, which means Kreese pulls his gun and holster out. Um, they make it's all Liz, security you need. Yeah. Well, it gets better. So he pulls a gun in the holster. He puts him put in the holster. Okay. They lock Liz down, making her say because she knew Martin's secret. She's so, the only one who knew. So just to make sure you're not the mole. Yeah. yeah. And then we get the line. There isn't a government or if they wouldn't kill us all for that damn thing. So they're going to red alert. I mean, they do a really good job of ratcheting up the tension as they start screwing around with the black box. We're like, it's getting more serious. And, and like, you know, you have them calling another shoulder. Hey, you guys don't fuck around with that. You know, and they're just like having fun, you know, accessing more websites until it's like. Oh, you could crash passenger liners with yeah. this thing. Well, but so poor fucking Liz is too cool for these guys. I don't know why they stay here. They should probably go somewhere else. Uh, we'll get this great transition shot from Liz as she's been told that she cannot leave. And they're all going to battle mode, kind of sort of battle mode. To we pull the camera back, we then transition to seeing her like sleeping on the couch later. Then we see Crease, who is now loading his revolver in the middle of the night. Like it wasn't <laughs> loaded earlier. I mean, he might have cleaned it or something, you know. <laughs> So the next morning, Liz is just like, I really enjoyed sleeping with all of you guys. <laughs> I love Take the way care. she delivers that. Yeah. She's like, that was extreme sarcasm, by the way. And this deleted scene from Stephen King's It, you know. Um, so Reverend helps her put her coat on. And she's like, I hope the handoff goes well. Hate for you to have something new to run from. It's like, ooh, subtext. Yeah. So they go, Crease and uh, Marty go to do the drop also, off. This is the 50 minute mark. This movie yeah. fucking moves. 
at the 50 minute mark two hours and five minutes but yeah it doesn't really drag much at the 50 minute mark in the rise of skywalker we were still 50 minutes away from somebody saying somehow palpatine has returned no no that was early in the movie uh, i feel like it was much later no that, that was like 15 minutes in or something, something like it was, that was much like, much later it was much earlier in the movie it was trust like me. much later that movie was seven days long yeah so of course Chris then sees well, so they're doing the handoff in public with uh, Busfield and like uh, over on the Embarcadero there, yeah, yeah. Which, uh, by the way, San Francisco, great movie city. Oh, absolutely, always, always. It's it's classy, it's old, it's mysterious. It's got cool geography, like yeah. you got hills and you got lots of different landscapes. Well, and, they yeah. they use it really well later when they drop him off for meeting Cosmo. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't think you actually see what's in the briefcase. Presumably it's a gun. Like right. it, it seems like he's handed off the black box and they're going to give him his money. Mm. And then at, while that's going on, Kreese is by the car and he just happens to look at a newspaper that they brought with the him. Seat, that they brought with him. Yeah. And yeah. it's just like a uh, mathematician killed an arson fire or something yeah. like that. And it's like, Martin, oh Janik is dead. Yeah. It's your mother. She's a, uh, she's old. Well, it's like number one, they've done the dossier. They know your team member's nickname is Mother, right? Also, Robert Redford, how old are you? How old would your mother be? I mean, what was the plan? You've if been gonna, on the run. Is she actually in the picture? If they were going to whack him right there, why don't they anyway? You know, I don't know. Yeah. Well, why don't they have like Crease come over? Because that's the trickier thing is to shoot Redford. And I guess you don't Kreese. really know what they're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the smart thing is they never show you what's in that briefcase. Yeah. Um, so they drive to the building, you know, as they, as they drive off in a hurry, they, they go to the federal building where they met these guys and it's been torn down. And then there's like a great, like kind of a uh, sequence of them discovering the con as they're like, they're all gathering information at once. Like well, the NSA never had an office in San Francisco. They run out of LA on the West coast. You know, I, I, one of the things I would have, whatever, it's fine, but I would have maybe taken out is the hobo coming back to reiterate his point. The government stole my home. I wonder if maybe you need that guy there just to make sure that it's like, yes, this is the same building. That's what you're yeah, seeing here. I guess. Because you know? in reference, just like, my God, my God. <laughs> just clicked for him. Well, like, I love Crease on the phone in the background. He's just, it's just like, don't say you can't do it because I need you to do it. You know, damn it. I need to know. Yeah. Oh, my God. What he finds out is that yeah. Janix Grant was actually from the NSA. So they wouldn't want the device stolen or have him killed. Um, yeah, so they Martin got totally played basically. His, and this is when like Chris is like tearing into him about how like, could you be so stupid? Well, it's like what again? What is your job, Chris? <laughs> I know what all these other fucking assholes do. What do you do on this team? Um, but yeah, so they're this office is like the last place they should be. You would think this would be hot as yeah, fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I love the uh, you know two guys show up, show and flash their badges. You think they're government, and then Whistler's like they probably were government just not ours so like martin finds the uh the card in his pocket for the uh the string quartet that gregor invited him to so he goes to see them with a gun with a gun a snubbose revolver gregor's got himself a very cute very young girlfriend uh-huh. and martin just shows up and puts his gun in gregor's back what? in the russian consulate is that more or less wild than uh, Gregor's just smoking a cigarette here <laughs> indoors? Just smoking away. In 92, you could do that. Yeah. Also, it's uh, this is sovereign territory. This is uh, He's got diplomatic immunity. It's, I guess so. I, I think this is, is this, the Russian consulate. Is this actually the embassy or something? I don't know. I think so. I don't know. There's a pool there. Yeah. 
There's that's that's a cool shot with the pool there where oh, it's the all steaming at night. Yeah. yeah. So they go down to that pool, they have a conversation. Well, because, you, you really get the sense that like Robert Redford's not actually gonna shoot this guy, you know. And yeah. so like he eases off pretty quick. He's just yeah. like, I need the box, Gregor, and Gregor's just like, I don't have it. And Robert Redford's just like, Okay, cool. You know, we're cool. I'll put the gun away. Bygones. Yeah. Our codes. We're gonna completely different systems on your codes. Yeah. So the playing the light in the dark and the way the pool just seems to glow there. Um there's a great bit too where he's gonna like or I'm going to tell you now, my friend. I cannot tell you in this building. And when like Refer doesn't immediately follow him, like Gregor leans back into the darkness and he's just like, Martin, you must trust me. Yeah, as he as he moves like into full shadow silhouette. Yeah. It's great. Um yeah, so the Russian codes are different. Blackhawks don't do me good. Um tell so they're driving in the, the limo here. The like consulate limo. And he's uh Gregor's like got his like books of uh these His are scrapbooks. Yeah, scrapbooks of like American agents that former American agents, yeah. Or or yeah, oh, some maybe current, who who knows? But it's like agents that they were thinking of trying to turn. Yeah. You know, like or sexual people, problems or financial problems. Or yeah, marriage problems, whatever, you know, like people who they thought might be vulnerable. So uh uh Which, Wallace man, imagine the fucking binder they have on people in our government now. Oh yeah, for sure. Wallace's thing is basically like he's an alcoholic who was married three times. That's his big thing. So my question for you is, what is Timothy Busfield's character's evil kink? Like I said, he's a like a pedophile priest. Okay. Well, in the scene before, he's like dressed like a priest. <laughs> what you don't know is that while he was in the NSA, he also was in seminary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they get pulled over. Turns out you can't double dip from the U.S. government and the Vatican at the same time. They get pulled over. They think it's the FBI. And like the FBI agent's just like, you know, Martin Bishop, they need to get out of the car. Well, Gregor's just like, I can offer you asylum. Before that, though, the fucking paranoid mood thing is laid on so thing as they just figured out who Wallace works for. Yeah. And, and Gregor's just like, oh, shit, I can't. Yeah, I can't tell you. Martin, this is technically a, like like consulate property. I can offer you asylum. You won't know who to trust. Yeah. So he, he is like, no, I'm going to. This guy says it's the FBI. I can like trust him. Gets out of the car. They find the gun on him. The FBI agent does. And he, the FBI agent puts on a glove and shoots Gregor. Yeah. Shoots the driver. What, and then loaded? puts the gun down. Yeah. Well, is this loaded? Oh, then and then the the icing on top, the cherry on top is just, just like too many secrets. <laughs> too many secrets. <laughs> and Reverend's like, fuck. And uh, then Wallace walks up and like clobbers him over the head. Like a blackjack or something. Yeah. He likes hitting people over the head. Like that's his like fetish. Yeah, I feel like Martin Bishop might have like CTE at the end of this movie. <laughs> he's, he's like Kramer when Crazy Javola, Javola kicked him in the head. Well, this all happens in yeah, a tunnel. Mom. Like that's like a cool location. Oh, yeah. This movie's secretly beautiful. Um, yeah, so he wakes up upside down because his world's upside down. Um, or no, first he wakes up in the trunk. Yeah, he wakes um, up in the trunk, and this is where you you'll come back to this later. You like you hear like the bumps in the road and. Bum, bum, bum. You know, oh, the cocktail party, oh, yeah. and then eventually he gets bashed in the face again with a pistol. What are you doing up, oh, clobber? Then he wakes up in Cosmo's weird uh, office with, like, a Cray supercomputer and, like, a sound. Is that what that chamber. is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's not a bench. That's a supercomputer. Well, I, I figured it was a computer or a server or something in his, like, like weird, like, we can't record audio in this room. Yeah, he wakes upside down because his world's upside down. It's Professor X and Magneto coming back together. Um their respective looks are fascinating. Cosmo has on a fancy suit on his petite form and a ponytail. Martin is that in a ponytail, man. Yeah. That's a, that's a true hacker ponytail there. Oh, for sure. It's almost like uh, the guy we saw last night. Only that guy was full weird samurai. Uh, Martin's in a t-shirt with a trench coat and loafers, not sneakers. 
loafers. There's also a lot of pleated pants in this movie. There's a lot of it's a pleated pants budget was off the chain. Uh, the score just feels like we're getting this massive reveal throughout this movie, which we kind of yeah. Well, I mean, we discover Cosmo is actually alive, which is and that like, he's working for the mob basically as their, like, like their computer guy. As well, like yeah, as, as his day job. Yeah, he's got like world dominations on his like actual goal. But again, this movie, it's like if you've ever seen a movie before, you really shouldn't be too surprised. You should be pleased that this is happening. Um, yeah, don't kid yourself. It's not that organized. His accent. He's just all over the place. I cannot kill my friend. Disa- kill my friend. Disaster. Yeah, it, it's a weird. It's like he's assimilated parts of other I don't accents. know if maybe he's doing... He's not trying like, not to be British. Well, no. Well, he's definitely trying not to be British, but like he gets very New Yorkish occasionally, and yeah. I don't know if that's like intentional. Like he's kind of mocking who he works for, maybe or something like. Oh, that. Oh, that might have been also where they went to school. It could be. Yeah, I'm just wondering because he, he works for the mob, so maybe yeah. that's he's I don't know, like slipping into like a gangster lingo or something. Well, either know. way, he should be quite far away from the home office of the Costa Nostra that he works for. Yeah, he's in San Francisco. So yeah, I mean, how far does the mob go? Like Vegas? How far west? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, didn't see the Irishman. Uh, yeah, because you don't have Netflix. No. Yeah, you're a hero. Uh-huh. Um, which I mean, don't get me wrong. This podcast doesn't want to fuck with the mafia. I'm not saying we're pro mafia. I'm just saying we're not going to fuck with the mafia. I just I'm not sure if he, Cosmo is not like executed by the mob at the end of this movie. Oh, he definitely is. Unless they just have no idea what's going on entirely. Because as the way Cosmo explains it, he's just like, you know, I run all of our, our, you know, the money operations for the mob. It's all encrypted. But if the NSA gets this little back box, they could like, you know, FBI. Peek, or FBI, they could peek into our operations. And so we must have the box. Which is and Robert Redford mostly bullshit, I think. Well, it's it somewhat holds up, but he, you know, Martin's just like, no, that's not really why you want it. I'm sure that like when he's like requisitioning more funds and men from his bosses, that plays. But like Redford's like, I know you. What's the real? What's the real dealio? I mean, uh, I, I don't watch a ton of mob movies, but the like, you know, I've seen some seasons of The Sopranos and like Goodfellas and Casino. It doesn't seem like the mafia would spring for this operation. Like in the at least in the movies, they all seem cheap as fuck. You know. Like they just they're not splurging on like the operational security they should be. Well, but also I think that they're lacking in like project managers. It's a lot of guys in like leather jackets. Well, this like, is this is what I would want to know about the mob. Like, like the, hot tempers. The, the, the kind of the big thing that always gets you in the mob movie is like you get you get busted on a charge by the cops and then like you got to start wearing a wire right. and the, you know the mobster is going to find out and kill you. Mm-hmm. Why don't why isn't there a witness protection for the mob? Like, why doesn't the mob have their own witness protection program where it's like, oh, shit, you got rolled up and they're going to throw well, a charge at you? We'll disappear you rather than letting the feds disappear you. Well, they they literally disappear you. Cement shoes. But why 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 does that need to be a, a factor? Like, why why don't they just, like, go buy some town, like, in the middle of nowhere, bunkfolk like Maine, and just be like, you can just, you know, you can retire to that town. Well, let me ask you a question. Okay, so let's just say the first year of a person being retired uh-huh. and the documents to, to, to create a new identity for them. What do you think that costs? I don't know, man. Better, better than a prosecution. Guess. I have no idea. 10,000. 10,000. You can, you live on 10,000 a year. Oh, I was just talking about for the documents. Okay. All I'm saying is that it just seems like a constant minimum, problem. Minimum hundred thousand. Whatever. For the first year. All I'm saying is what do you think a bullet to the head costs? But the, the constant kind of, uh, 
you know, danger in these mom movies is that like somebody might be wearing a wire and rolling over on you. And so everyone's paranoid. If you knew as a mobster that there was like your own witness protection that you could go into if you got busted, I feel like that'd be much less of a concern. Yeah, I don't think it's feasible, though. I guess not. Um, I feel like I'd I'd explore it if I were a mobster. Again, there's not a lot of project managers. There's not a lot of like question of budgets. I would think that the mob would be constantly facing massive I mean, overages. Because it's possible that Playtronics is... Uh, I don't know how you well know. you can track vices. Because that's basically where their revenue comes from, right? Sure. Is, is vices and protection money? I mean, at a certain point, you could beat your protection racket into submission. Like like in the uh, uh, Roadhouse, you can only blow up red shops so many times for mm-hmm. red can't pay. <laughs> I mean, I guess, you know, like it's possible that Playtronics is uh, like financially solvent on its own. And so yeah. they, you know, mo- run all the uh, the security funds through it. It's a real question of how much does Werner Brandis know? Really? Really? How <laughs> is, much? Did he create that little doggy? Is that what is he, he works on? Is he the only one there who thinks he's like working <laughs> on toys? Yeah. <laughs> Mr. 180 IQ. Anyway, throughout the scene, you really get the sense again that Cosmo has not had an equal to talk to in quite some time. Like he's yeah, he can't talk to thrilled. the mob people about uh, bringing down the whole system. Yeah. You can talk to Busfield with that gross little mustache. I don't think Absolutely so. Not. Um, so you go in this weird little room, which crazy supercomputer. It's not supposedly not bugged. Um, well, and then he goes because he has a black box now. He can access like the FBI criminal registry. And he like puts in Martin Bishop's alias as Martin Bryce. And it's like, oh, the, the fingerprints are going to be linked to Martin Bryce, who's like a fugitive. But if I put this he alias appeared, in, yeah. yeah. Um, the Cosmo's smart because he he points out earlier, he knows the world doesn't want reality. It's perception reality. He's like a digital anarchist. It's, it's so fucking good. You heard the dialogue. Um, so yeah, he's basically framed Martin for Gregor's death. Probably fingerprints will also be found in Janik's office. Well, so they, in the next scene, like he, you know, Bishop, they like drop him off on the side of the road. Or amazingly, they don't just kill him, you know, just because I guess, you know, he's he's not like a true mobster. Really, Cosmo isn't, you know. Well, no, it's what he wants is he wants to torture him. He wants to win. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, he he his identity was brutalized. Well, now he I guess wants the, to torture the question is identity. because they, they eventually like cut to like a news, you know, broadcast where it's like, uh the fingerprints found on the gun that killed like this, you know, Russian consulate guy were also traced to like a mathematician thing, Mm -hmm. but like they never say it's Martin Bishop. No, which I guess I, I took that as that thread is still hanging over Martin's head, but like, like Cosmo like took it back. Like, I I feel like that's, I guess that's the way I read it is like he puts it in there and then he takes it back, but it's like, we could do this to you. You know, you better just be quiet. Hmm. Um, yeah, this is because because I mean, then you've you've bought his silence essentially. You know, the last thing you really want is like Martin Bishop to go to the FBI. I I otherwise you just murder him. You know. Well, I, I think the thing is, if he goes to the FBI, they're not going to believe him, so he'll just get arrested for the crimes he's been framed for. I think that's what Cosmo's doing. Is he's basically just saying, "You now get to deal if I dealt with law enforcement's now after you." At the end of the movie, honestly, Cosmo will be killed. If I were Mister Abbott. After I made all these fucking deals, which I don't blow think, them all away. Yeah. Well, why don't they kill them all at the end? Seriously, they have guns. The one girl has an Uzi. Give the, the guy your phone the number. Mob then, is going to be after you. Give the guy the phone number and then blow him away if you're fucking Uzi. But the next stop should be to go pick up Cosmo and basically do like Le Chiff, hmm. you know, from Christina Royale. It's like I think you have incentive to turn now, my friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, really, 
roll up all your uh, yeah. mob buddies with yeah. all the financial I, evidence. I don't think we'll need you to put on a wire in your petite little suit. Yeah, we've got it all. Yeah. Uh, again, this is where Tim And I mean, Cosmo, let's be real. He's going to squeal. Oh, he's a squealer. Let's pop like a... He, so Martin eventually gets thrown out of a car. He ends up at Liz's. Liz is just well, wearing on, like a on. sheer bathrobe here. So... Again, Busfield has revealed his evil look, which includes slick back hair and that, e- that evil red mustache. The movie flaunts that it's in San Francisco. He gets dumped on a street out of a moving car. And what's in the background? Alcatraz. Alcatraz. <laughs> it's like it's reminding you not only is this fucking Alcatraz, but like, yeah, bitch, prison is an option for you. Like prison where you die. Yeah. So it goes to Liz. Fortunately, even a coit so- tower in a shot there. <laughs> yeah. I'm thrilled he apologizes to her for everything because he fucking needs to. And she says, she has this great line. I well, called your number and someone else answered and I didn't recognize the voice, which is wild. He does the, the move where he's just like, hey, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. He's like, I can't do this alone. And she's like, I'm here. And he's like, no, I need my bros. Yeah. I, I didn't mean you, actually. I just need your place. <laughs> which is going to be fine because holy shit, look at the square footage. I mean, that whole like loft living room upstairs. Yeah, man. Yeah. This shit. place is like a couple million bucks easy now. I've become the guy now that when I watch movies, I'm really just being like, what's their place look like? How do they decorate? I was watching like You've Got Mail the other day and I was just well, like, well, I mean, what, what do you put a bookshelf there? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'd say at least five or six million for this place now. Oh, for sure. In San Francisco. Oh, for sure. You got a loft. You got all these bedrooms. Yeah. Liz is doing fine. Uh-huh. Yeah, so they they want to see if they can go into the FBI, but they need to make sure like they're going to be like protected if they go there. So they're going to call or, or the NSA. Yeah, yeah. so they they're going to call the NSA, but they're going to do it their way by like bouncing the call off like you know seven different you know things and two satellites or this something. Is, they've got this, like the computer map of the globe showing the the call bouncing around. You know, just good graphic there. This is a beautiful time in in America where you don't know what the NSA does. Now we know all too well. See, no, I I knew what the NSA was back then. I, I Did you at eleven years old? You knew all about the NSA? Not all about the NSA, but like I I, I would like read books like Clive Cusser books where they'd mention the NSA at and at Fort Meade and Okay. Yeah. I mean maybe like thirteen, but like, you know, not like I, I was years later yeah. I met a guy who actually worked for the NSA briefly. Hmm. Uh the only story that was interesting told me was about some of the recruiting classes for people who were applying. And that in every like uh, recruiting class, there was always three people who had lied about their background. Interesting. To try to like basically infiltrate uh-huh. or soft infiltrate. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, so they're gonna set up this thing with the uh, bouncing around satellites. Uh, they've rigged up a rough lie detector. I mean, this scene gives you measure everything. stress in the voice. Yeah, I love the like the weird little like phone holder thing that they put the uh, the old handheld phone on to make the call. Never really knew what that did. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's just like a speaker and microphone. But you, you know? always saw it on phones yeah. in, in movies, yeah. So tense negotiations. Um, this is where I would like. This is where I would push back into Ebert. Like, all you've really got is like a ticking clock. They give you a ticking clock with the little map and the you know the, yeah. the call being traced, and so you get the tension. And, and you've the got the, the lie detector. Yeah. Like, is he is he was what he's saying true or false? Like, it's really minimal techno babble, honestly. Like compared like, to what you get in movies now. Yeah, it's not like Ackroyd's like, I set up a Johnson rod and attached it to the, the plipper breaker. They're, they're not doing the whole like tappity tap, tap, tap. Yeah. I just 
you know, got into the mainframe and pulled up a traffic cam signal that I enhanced. Even, and yeah, even worse. I remember coming over to your place one time where you were finishing watching an episode of Arrow or something. Oh my god, yeah. And there were three people like in a pounding on keyboards, hacker fight. Yeah, and there wasn't even there was like uh, screensavers mm-hmm. on the monitors, and I thought, what the fuck? And the the camera was like spinning around them in a circle. It was a Michael Bay movie. Like this was the most tense thing ever, and I wanted to kill myself. So I got polygraph readings, you know, uh, he calls Mr. Abbott. James Earl Jones himself answers. Uh, this is I'm interested would, in all kinds of when technology. When you would get the big the big or, cameo, uh, James Earl Jones, yeah. you get uh, Sean Connery at the end of Prince of Thieves. I guess Patrick Stewart at Men in Tights counts. Sure. Uh, but like, yeah, I talk, want to talk about C-Tech astronomy? I'm interested in all kinds of astronomy. And then Mother's just true. like, that's true. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> but like, I like how he's like, he's like, Presumably trying to hide his identity. I assume Mr. Abbott knows who's calling. But then you hear like them yelling like, Bish, he's lying. Bish, he's lying. Yeah. Um, so basically, it's like everything's true up to the point where he's like. You're safety. Yeah. yeah. Do you have the item? No. You know, can we still come in? Can he guarantee our protection? Yes. And it's like, no, he's lying. He can't guarantee your protection. Yeah. So they hang up. Uh, and then they got to figure out, well, what are we going to do now? We need to get the little black box back from Cosmo and and then they kind of start retracing the steps just based on what he remembers what it sounded like in the trunk of the car the seams in the concrete yeah yeah was was the golden gate fogged in last night yes we didn't hear a foghorn no well, they know we went over a bridge yeah you know just by the sound you know you can tell when you go over a bridge there's no foghorn there's no tunnel how so far apart were those seams left. in the concrete yeah then it was uh, I heard a cocktail party so they find a gathering of birds basically a literal wild goose chase and so with some some geese that would sound like a cocktail party from the sound effect is great yeah Yeah. this fucking score i mean this thriller piano is just goddamn dancing like that those fingers are just dancing on that piano and so they find uh it's like oh it's just this road dead ends a private property and it's playtronics well no that's a great moment because it's just like anything else on this road oh nothing it's just a private property okay wait private property yeah Oh, it's it's Playtronics, so like this like toy company, but like I got the, the place looks like Fort Meade, you know. Toy company, my ass. That's laser fencing. There's high voltage on the perimeter. That whole building says, go away. Love it. Absolutely <laughs> love it. And it's like, boom, we've got a third act. Well, it's <laughs> it, you've got like your three main heists. You've got the little intro heist. Yeah. You've got the heist to get the black box, yeah. which doesn't take them that much, no, you know. No. And this is the big one now. Yeah. They got to, you know, pull out all the stops for this one. Yeah, the the intro heist and like setting up the world, the Janic heist and like the consequences. Yeah, and now the big deal. Yeah, so they do some surveillance and basic surveillance to find out like they need to get to the office next to Cosmo, or basically by by visual surveillance and like using those boom or the shotgun mics with with Whistler's ear. Whistler can tell like what's in what room. Well, he can tell like when the emergency exit is like recycling. The he can hear the emergency batteries recharging. Yeah. yeah. Or it's like there's this room is bursting with ultra, bursting with ultrasonic, you know. Yeah. So that's that must be where Cosmo's office is because there's all this like motion detection. Sensing. So they they do some surveillance that the office next to Cosmo, like whenever the lights turn off, like a couple minutes later, the same guy over the course of several days comes out to his car. It's Tobo. Enters enters Stephen Tobolowski. His vanity plate enhance 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 says 180 IQ. Oh, what a fucking turd this guy is. He's great. He's just like the worst like blind date ever, pretty much. Did you did you read the little like soundbite from him about getting this script? Um I, I did. I can't remember it though. So it's like his agent's just like, I got a script for you. I think you're gonna really like it. So he sends it over and he's like reads the title page, sneakers. He's like, What is this? Like a high school rom com? I don't want this. The agent's like, I'm begging you, read it. And he's like, oh, fine. 
So it just sits there. He finally reads it, calls back the agent, and he says, I now know what a $100 million script looks like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so this is Werner Brandis. This is the guy who has the office next to Cosmo. They need to get this guy's key card and his voice. They need uh, him to say, hello, my name is Werner Brandis. My voice is my passport. Verify me. Because there's like, not only do they need his key card, but they need an audio print to get past security. Uh, And so... I would argue that to me, uh, personally... This character means more or has had a bigger effect on me than Ned Ryerson. Okay. All right. Yeah. I can say that. I think I'd probably agree with that myself. Um, yeah, so the, the, so they, they go through his trash. Like he, Dan Aykroyd just like dumps the fucking trash. Well, they're like, oh, holy shit. This guy's super boring. Like yeah. they've hacked his like bank account and stuff like that. Well, and, like, even like Liz has to point out, like, look at this man's trash. He like folds his like pizza rolls box or whatever. Like yeah. he's refined. Like he's or, who is he dating. looking for? Yeah, yeah. He's in a computer dating. So they're going to like set him up with Liz. And then of course the fucking <laughs> Japanese restaurant, the dim sun bar. Well, I just love the bit where she's like, guys, this, he's not looking for buff. Yeah. Like, look at the way he's, you know, folded his toothpaste. He's looking for, for like, refined, sophisticated. They all kind of turn and look at her and she's like, what? Or their first options is mother's ex-wife. Yeah. And then some chick that Carl knows who's like, he's like, yeah, she's, she's buff. She's buff. What does that mean? Like, what does that really mean? <laughs> what a weird reaction. Like, the first thing you'd say about something is they're buff. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the, the fucking restaurant. <laughs> Well, she's trying to get him over the course of conversation to say passport. And she's got like the notepad and she's like crossing off each word. And she's just like, you know what my favorite word is? Well, she tries to be like, oh, do you travel much? But he's like, "Uh, I think they want us to go because like the guy's like yelling at him at that point (laughs) because like they're the last people there. They're vacuuming in front of the table, (laughs) which is like such a like, please fucking leave move, you know, like right in front of you. (laughs) And even he picks on those social cues. Yeah. Honestly, this would be such a fun like party game. It's like I've got like a simple phrase. Oh, I yeah. have to ask you questions to get you to say the words in any order. Yeah. Um, well, then he's just like Doris because she oh, goes by Doris. Doris, would you like to have breakfast with me? Fine, sure. Should I phone you or nudge you? Check, please. <laughs> oh, what a fucking sleaze this I guy mean, is. I mean, he's working some gross confidence there. He's Yeah, he read that in a book. <laughs> Well, the, the line later like Neil on the book, second yeah. date where it's just like, like, oh, I'm just going to pound these breasts over here or whatever he says. Yeah. Like working on his, his chicken apartment is fascinating because he's got like a fucking like Patrick Nagel art piece on the wall um, for all the security in the building. Meanwhile, at Playtronics, Carl gets inside pretty easily. I mean, it's a simple little move. He's he's posing as one of the, uh, the yard, gardeners. Yeah. The landscapers. And he goes in and asks to use their John. Which is, <laughs> yeah, weird vernacular from Carl. And but then they just like do the move where the security guard's like, "Hey, where'd that guy go?" And then they look outside and he's like, sees him there. And it's like, nope, that's actually Mother wearing the same clothes. He was a great young indie. Yeah, and Carl's job. So okay, so the uh, what they need for the heist, they need the key card, they need the voice print. They've discovered that there's motion sensors in the room. They can't move faster than two inches per second. And it has heat sensors as well. So they have to raise the temperature in the yep. room to 98.6. Yep. To make it as close as possible so that it can't decipher between your body and the actual heat in the room. Yeah. Uh-huh. Carl is like 
I mean, how would you put this down? It's like roughly like Caro is the the Matt Damon from the Ocean's Gang. Like, yeah, that's roughly about right. Um, like the like the second point man, kind of like the young guy. I mean, could you call him the Lancer? I guess yes and no. Well, I guess Crease would be the Lancer. Crease is probably the Lancer. Um, who is the? Uh, Crease could be the big guy because he's security. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you could say Carl's the Lancer, Crease is security. Whistler slash Liz or the heart. Whistler would be the heart. Mother would be the smart guy, or maybe the other way around. Liz is like the know? the six man then. Yeah. Okay. Um. So the gang's doing their thing. Liz has to go in the state for his place to get his ID card or whatever. His date talk is consists of like telling Liz, "Do you know what the ideal diet is? The it's bottom what, of a monkey cage. There's fruits and greens." He says. Um. <laughs> uh, Later, like he's complaining about dinner. He's such a terrible, like the, the shit he says. He's, he's like, oh, sorry about dinner. Like, it's just like all kind of offhand stuff, well, you know, he, where it's not the focus of the scene, but, but it's like, God, things, this guy sounds horrible. Of all things, he overcooked the carrots. Is this not? Just, yeah, get, get it on your mic a little more. <sighs> he overcooked the carrots. Oh, I like it that way. They're nice and squishy. <laughs> She's like trying to be nice about the whole thing. I do like squishy carrots. Really? I don't really like wow. carrots. Yeah. Mm. Am I a Werner Brandis? I guess so. Ooh. There's my little robot talk. Again, pay Walk straight forward. <laughs> uh, get some more mother conspiracy theories. Really in the cattle mutilations. Thinks that JFK was shot, but still alive. In fact, the people responsible also framed Pete Rose. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I feel like that was ad-libbed by Dan Aykroyd personally. Probably. There. probably. Um, so, yeah. So the it's it's go time like i mean they kind of pretty close where they like they've got her stealing his his card his key card the night of the heist you know which is literally something they she's think got they to do. arrange a second date they do get, that in the oceans 11 like, this movie inspired a lot of later movies i yeah. think yeah um so carl has like gotten into the ducks to like go to the uh wherever, like the furnaces or whatever to raise the temperature in that room mm-hmm. um the little dog. Oh, he says something. She's going to use the phone. He's giving her directions to go forward and just thing. The little dog that's voice activated goes and knocks over her purse. He finds out that her name is not Doris. And so he's yeah. not like, it's not like he's going through her purse. It's like the thing falls perfectly out. So he like drags her over to play Tronics because he assumes that now that she's trying to uh, steal his identity. I mean, the word passport. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just as Martin is like doing his like slow sneak across the room, he's he he goes into Warner's office, gets up in the air ducts, drops down in the next office over, and like a dead spot, and then just has to slowly walk across the room. Uh, everyone is there at Playtronics. Timothy Busfield, Wallace. I guess that's where they work. You know, they're, or they're where they're officed. Is it where they live as well? Because this is nighttime now. Cosmo's there. They're all there. Yeah, it's just like the hangout, you know? They're all, I mean, yeah, they just love their jobs so much they don't want to go home. Let's see the man's office. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's like wintertime and it's actually like 5 p.m., you know? Maybe. Liz is cool as a fucking cucumber throughout all this. And then as they they are, seem like they've gotten away with it, that her her, her uh, cover is held, uh, she says, this is my last computer date. And Cosmo's like, no fucking way. An algorithm pairs her with this loser. Mm-hmm. Goes and checks his office. Why is it so hot in here? Yeah. And then the uh, the little briefcase that was holding the answering machine is gone. And like, oh no! Like Martin, Martin, had, Martin had just gotten up into the uh, the thing. Yeah, he just got out of there in time. But now, 
sirens, you know, guys and shotguns running around. Crazy security for this uh, Playtronics here. The shotgun budget. The Playtronics shotgun budget. Everyone's got a fucking shotgun. They find their little like hack on the security cameras, so they lose access but to cameras. I was like, this is fucking thrilling. I was like, we got a fucking movie here. This is this is exciting. Um, they lose the cameras. Shotgun budget again, out of control. You get the sequence, which I think you've seen countless times elsewhere. This it works really well here, where Robert reference in an air duct, like a long air duct, and the one guy is like. He's heard a little bit of the radio squabble in so Redford's ear. So he just starts ear. firing up yeah, in the air duct. And like the, the shotgun blasts are getting closer and closer and closer to Redford's like crotch. And then that's when uh, Cosmo gets on the intercom. Stop firing. Well, his little speech is very interesting. Like, you always got the girl. So I never did. It's like, <laughs> what? Uh, what's going on, Cos? Yeah, sorry, Cos. Yeah, so the prison thing? Martin has to give himself up. And because Cosmo's promised he won't kill him, you know, and so... Martin comes down, and Cosmo's just like, "Oh, I cannot kill my friend. Kill my friend." Yeah, yeah. But they, Carl's still up there, and so after Cosmo, now. after Cosmo leaves because he's now. like a villain, he has to leave and not, you know, see it happen because yeah, he can't watch it. Yeah, and yeah, so Carl jumps out of the air duct, and they wrestle the guns away from uh, see, Buddy and Dick here. Unlike every one of those like Bond tropes, though, this one works to me because all of the stuff works to me because Cosmo still clearly like loves Martin. He's not. He doesn't want to watch Martin get killed. He's not that sort of. He hasn't got his hands dirty. Let's put it that way. You know, he's not that kind of criminal. He's just been recruited by criminals but to do their bidding. As we will see, he couldn't kill Martin if he wanted to. Yeah, and because he, he, he just he can't. Like it's just never going to happen. He loves him too much. So yeah, then like uh, Carl comes crashing out of the thing. Liz gets the gun. She's like hand shaking, and she like <laughs> tells the one guy to back off. Says I'm an excellent marksman. Um, they get up on the roof, but now lots of crazy fucking spotlights on this roof. I know, but unfortunately, the uh, security guards just found Crease and Mother in the van there, like kind of parked on a hill on the other yeah. side of the parking lot. Uh, racist comment from the guard? Oh, well, yeah, definitely, yeah, intentionally. So, yeah, weird racist comment. I mean, I guess it's just a little extra to show you that these people suck. Yeah. So that, like, I mean, you really want Sidney Poitier to, to split some fucking heads with that shotgun. Yeah, I, I was. But also, it's funny. It's the timing is like they really don't need Whistler to drive. Don't they? Like, they've they've just knocked out the two security no, but guards. The, the reason they're able to get the drop on the security guards is because Whistler starts driving. Oh, okay. And okay. so it's kind of like. I don't know. I suppose if Robert Redford could see more of what's going on, he'd be like, oh, Whistler, just stop now. Like, those guys can drive. But yeah, he's giving directions, you know. At one point, like, he has them, like, going reverse downhill, and he's just like, like, Bish, I'm going backwards. Yeah. I'm going backwards. Like, oh, you're, you're doing fine. You're doing fine. I love that just, like, go three down on the gear shift, yeah. like that kind of stuff. <laughs> he has them, like, driving over, like, parking medians. <laughs> like, the van is just, like, bouncing over them. And then just, you're going to go down a gentle slope. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this like sharp 45 degree angle i just uh, love the fact that i got sydney Poitier to say motherfuckers mess with me i'll split your head yeah. <laughs> well it, you finally get the reveal of why he left the cia yeah, his temper because of my temper how much of a temper do you have to have well, i mean they call me mr tibbs <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so as uh, uh liz and carl get away down the down the ladder uh, that's when Cosmo shuts up to confront Marty and they have their conversation about what it's really about. It's like the you win, I lose. That's what you want, isn't it? And then uh, so he gives him the black box. Well, he's trying to machine. still recruit him yeah. 
to to join him with this thing. He's like, don't you know the places we could go with this? And he's like, yeah, I do, cause there's nobody there. Yeah, it's it's really like, aren't you still committed to our radical, you know, sixties revolution? And, yeah. And now the the aging boomer says, no, actually, I just you know. I'm a Democrat, but I, I'm not like a radical, basically, is what he's saying. You know, I prefer to work within the system. Yeah, I drove a, a VW bug back in the 60s. And then I became a, a Volkswagen executive and soldiered the new bug yeah. right back to your ass. Yeah. So you go back to the office. James Earl Jones and the NSA are there. Also, they, they've given the black box to Cosmo, the answer machine. The answer machine. Yeah. But it, right after they leave, Cosmo bothers to check the answering machine and nope it's the decoy marty! because marty they marty had a copy that he'd been practicing with in his yeah. backpack God! yeah yeah um yeah so james or john the essay if you're cosmo do you just do you, like do you just get your go bag at that point and be like i'm out of here you would have thought he would have <laughs> like gonna execute me yeah. yeah again nsa should just pick him up like like buddy and dick are just like oh you got it back right and he's like yep got it back here it is you guys can all go home and then he just bugs out yeah well how did that van manage to drive out of there again <laughs> you only had the two security guards and on they the perimeter? just go right back to their office back to their fucking office <laughs> not kind, a lot of opsec with these guys yeah they're kind of lucky that the nsa is there i guess yeah with uzi oh, i guess that's what you assume is that like now the nsa is protecting them yeah maybe so they they start to negotiate there. They realize, you know, I kept thinking about something Greg told me. It's like the box is basically there, like was designed to spy on Americans. It was never meant to spy internationally. Russian codes are different from the yeah. U.S. codes, so which is cute here, but what a deadly serious modern context. <laughs> <laughs> like this is some this is some flat out Snowden bullshit here. Um, so they're they're like doing their wish list of the things they want. You know, Martin Bryce just wants like his record cleaned up. Um, Priest wants a his European to Europe vacation in Tahiti. Tahiti. Yeah. Uh, Tahiti is not in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> and then Carl of all people is just like, Hey, do you get your box back? So can we all agree? The Tahiti? This man goes to Tahiti. Yeah. Um, Carl just wants the Uzi lady's phone number. And uh, I love the negotiation there. Cause like, fortunately Abbott's like, yeah, we don't I'm do that. I'm not running into dating service. We don't do that. And then Martin's like, come on, the FBI would give him twins. <laughs> That's a great little like like blink and you'll miss it line, yeah. And then uh, Whistler just wants, I want peace on earth and goodwill toward men. And we're the United States government. We don't do that sort of thing. I'll see what I can do. Yeah. They have guns. Well, just, just blow these people away. What a move by Carl. She's like, you could have anything in the world and you want my phone number. And yeah. he's just like, yeah. I think her name, is, Phoenix. her name is Mary. Mary, yeah. yeah. And she gives him, the, gives him the digits. Local number. Go for it, Carl. Shoot yeah. your shot. What I love, too, is it's not a 555 number. Nope. Yeah. So this is where it gets super political at the end, though, is at the end, you get the the news guy comes back. And he's, he says the GOP has reported that they're like suddenly very broke. <laughs> Republican Party is broke. They don't know where the money went. Meanwhile, Amnesty International, Greenpeace, United Negro College Fund have reported record earnings mostly due to large anonymous donations. Oh, Peace man. on will, Fuck goodwill towards men. Yeah. Fuck the Republicans. The largest terrorist organization in the world. All right. Well, that was Sneakers. What a fun movie. Do you have any complaints? Um, I mean, they're so minor. It's like the the littlest things of like, don't go back to the office, stuff like that. Like they're opsec. Um, I feel like Liz, she gets a little bit to do. You know, she has like a little side mission, but she really is like the girlfriend slash teen mom. Here's my take on Liz, though: is you could definitely you, you sh- someone should make that complaint. I think Mary McDonald is so fucking good. 
that she's like, I have nothing to do with this character. I'm going to make her interesting nonetheless. And I think, mm. I think the fact that she works so strongly is all a Mary McDonald. But you could definitely see why this would be a little boys club, even though they would probably be a better, you know, more, I don't know, capable company if it was more diverse on the roster, you know? Well, honestly, how much longer can these guys do this work? Yeah. Yeah, really. <laughs> um, Ben Kingsley's performance, I feel like, is pretty all over the place. Like, it's a pretty weird performance in general. Yeah. He's having trouble with the accent a lot, it seems like, which normally doesn't bother me. I guess it just stands out a little because it's like he's doing three different accents, you know? Like, he definitely is, like, doing English accents sometimes, and sometimes it's American, and sometimes it's, like, New York. Yeah. I mean, for me, if anything, it's saved with just the the scene at the end on Mm -hmm. the roof. Um. I am amazed. I know that they talked about three years ago about a TV show version. Seems like it. I mean, isn't that just leverage? Well, wasn't there like a, a, what's the guy's name? Who was in Wings? Not Steven Weber, but the other brother. Never watched it. Um, There was a show on ABC. Paul McCartney. Come on, you're not even going to give me a laugh. That was a good joke. That was a damn joke. Um, Tim, what's his name from Wings? Matheson? Uh, no, not Tim Matheson. I never watched Wings, so I'm just Hold on, I'm looking up his name. Okay. You look Tim Daly. Tim Daly. Was, there was some show he had on the, the cavalcade of those ABC shows that was on after Lost. He had a show that I'm pretty sure was Flash like, Forward. It was not Flash Forward. Because um, I was loaded. Let me look. Whatever happened to that guy? Maybe he was loaded. Uh, uh, Ray Fiennes' brother? Yeah, the Lesser Fiennes. He is a Lesser Fiennes. Much like Joaquin Phoenix is the lesser Phoenix. Well, I won't disagree with you. I what's your take? Have you well, I don't want I don't want to okay, let me ask you a question. Okay. But in this question, I don't want to open up a whole thing about the golden gloves. Okay? Uh-huh. Can we agree on that? Sure. What is your take on have you seen that clip of him being asked the question after the Golden Globes? I of, sure have not. Okay. Because it's kind of interesting how people are split. Because the guy asks him a question about like the inspiration or whatever for the the role of the Joker, and for a full minute he's just like, "Oh, haven't I already answered this? I mean, seriously, you want me to answer this again? Haven't I been talking about this for like six months?" And he's like a real dick about it. Yeah, I don't like him. Yeah, I don't like him either. But I think, I, I, I think I'm on the record as not being a walking phoenix. Fan. Eyes is the name of the show. Man, I can't believe I had to look that up. Eyes. What a fucking dumb show. Um, you know, it had Laura Layton, I think, as like the uh, like the sexy lady who was like the, on the, the group. And Tim Daly played a character named Harlan Judd, Garcelle Bouvet's, Eric Mabius, Oof. Natalie Zia, All Greg right. Henry. Anyway, make one change. Um, I, I I'm, I'm incapable. It's, it's been with me for so long. I just can't. I love it. Yeah, I I mean I guess you could see I, I would say you could you could definitely diversify the cast more, which would be a good thing, but I feel like it is also sort of the point of the movie that this is like this boys club. Yeah. yeah. I think they could maybe do a little bit better of a job of of leaning into that. Mm-hmm. And I think I think a lot of it just has to do with they've cast such like revered actors that like it's it's Sidney Poitier, you know, like you're just like, well, clearly this dude's like a class act. He's mm-hmm. not actually just like a horn dog, even though in, you know, if you're just watching the movie, you know, or reading the script, I guess you'd say, you know, you could mm-hmm. get that vibe from. Oh, from what? From, well, two scenes. Yeah. yeah. Um, But I mean, again, 
Redford, you know, can carry a fucking movie. He's 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 Robert Redford. But like talking about using the the total filmography of him as such a a guidepost of this character. It's like you can clearly graph certain things you remember from the few movies you remember to Martin Bishop. I kind of feel like Liz's whole oh I'm fine is a comment on the fact that they're all the boys and they want their toys and stuff like that. Um I Phil Allen Robinson, I would love to have a conversation with the director of this movie and just hear some of the things they they were talking about. Did you ever um hear the trivia? Did you read the trivia about uh the two men in the suits who came to talk to him? As the movie was starting, I did not know the two men from the government who came to see him. They heard what we were, we were doing this movie, and uh, we just want to touch in on certain things that the government might be working on. And this is fine. We just would prefer that you did not infer there was any kind of black box device that could crack codes. Hmm. And then, like later, it turns out it's probably like a uh, uh, Ackroyd prank. But like, oh, it, nice! It nice. had Phil and Robinson like yeah. spooked for like a, a day or two. Well, the idea of somebody having a, a magical decryptor that could give them access to our power grid or like the FAA control center. Like it is still very terrifying, you know? And very like for good reason, like it's still yeah. very possible. Like if you think about how vulnerable we are on the regular. <laughs> All right, well let's do our power rankings. I got 14. I have 13. All right. Well, my number 14 is Dr. Rishkov. Really that low? I leave a message here on service, which you do not call. Okay. Uh, my number 13 is the the fake FBI guy who is in the squad. Oh, that guy. Okay. You yeah. never see him again. Um, he's great. He's got like a, his voice reminds me of like of a young Morgan Freeman a little bit because he's just like too many secrets. Is this loaded? Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's, he's great. I don't, I kind of surprised we didn't see him running around Playtronics later. Yeah. 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 Uh, Manor 13 is Mary, the NSA girl. Oh, I should have put her. Let's say that she's my, my sure. there too. Yeah. She's great. You just want my phone number? Oh, uh, my number 12 is I, I doubled up Timothy Busfield and the other guy. Oh, okay. Dick and buddy. Dick and buddy. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've got them a little bit higher. Slick back hair. I've got uh, Gregor at number 12. How dare you? Gregor, you are shameless. How dare you? I think it's because I noticed this time around when like he goes to talk to Liz as she's putting on her coat. He like not only helps her put it on, but just like kind of brings her in like with his arm around her. It just it seems a little touchy to me. Oh, well. A little handsy. A little Joe Biden. That might be why she doesn't trust him. Yeah. I mean, I, I take Liz's word for it. That she doesn't trust him? Well, I mean, she, she's clearly on I don't care what they say about the New World Order. I don't trust that guy. <laughs> <laughs> She's clearly on to something that I'm not picking up on. Uh, number 11, Dan Aykroyd's mother. Wow. Sorry, mother. <laughs> um, I've got Dick and Buddy at number 11 here. Okay. Not a fan of mother, huh? Yeah. Okay. Uh, number 10, I've got Mr. Abbott. Okay. Okay. Number 10, I've got Donald Logue as Dr. Gunter Janik. We did not mention until now. Yes, yeah, so that is Donald Logue. As Gunther Janik, great yeah. cast in this movie. Yeah. Oh, this is before you knew who he was. And this is still six years before Blade, even. Was he in Blade? Yeah, he's That's the right. guy he's, that he's, he keeps fucking up. Yeah. Cutting things off of. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Number nine, right? Yep. Cosmo. I wow. just honestly, I feel like I like young Cosmo better than old Cosmo in this movie. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Uh, number nine, I have Lee Garlington as Dr. Elena Rishkoff. Okay. I have Werner Brandis at number eight. Okay. Just the worst date ever. Oh, shit. 
No Tobo? Somehow, I totally forgot about Tobo. Damn. I fucked up. You guys, I fucked up. Ned? Tobo should be a lot higher on this. I'm so sorry. I'm going to proceed anyway. Uh, we had eight. Eight. River Phoenix is Carl. Okay. And this watch, like, there's been times I've watched it when I really like the Carl character. And this watch, I'm like, Carl's fine. He's not that involved. Carl's fine. He's, to me, he's he's the lowest that I have. Yeah. But uh, number seven, I've got Janik, Gunther Janik. Okay. The uh, brilliant mathematician who wears white turtlenecks under a white suit. <laughs> that fucking look. And I presume white shoes as well, but we can't, we yeah. don't see. Uh, number seven, I have George Hearn as Gregor Ivanovich, the cultura attache. A new title. A uh, uh, new title. <laughs> the last few years have been very interesting for people in our line of work. What I must tell you, I cannot tell you in this building. All right, <laughs> I just get the way he delivers. You won't know who, who to, to trust. trust. <laughs> uh, number six, I've got Carl. Okay. Good old River Phoenix. Number six, I have James Earl Jones as Mr. Abbott. Nice. Because, I mean, it's James Earl fucking Jones. That's a big deal I, to me. The end of the movie is pretty hammy, but in like a way where you're just enjoying yourself. Like it's very crowd pleasery, you know? Well, and I think because of what James Earl Jones has initially meant to me in my life, I love this movie because the first time he appears in the movie is as his voice. Yeah, that's great. And it's not that James Earl Jones is a bad actor because he's a great actor, but that voice, you know, <laughs> always be the thing. Uh, number five. Yep. Got mother. Okay. I feel like mother probably like jumped three spots in my rankings just for me, like noticing that he's like got some dancing skills, you know? Okay. He, he does. On uh, number five, I have Cosmo. Um, it's Ben Kingsley. I like the idea of the character psychologically, like things I didn't pick up on with this character as an 11 year old watching it. Like it's so interesting. I, I find that the, the friendship, covers over a lot of the villain stuff so easily um just his digital anarchist take on things is so intriguing it's so familiar yeah you know? yeah uh but like in another story i would be rooting for this character i mean uh-huh. he's essentially he wants to do what mr robot wants to do <laughs> yeah uh number four i've got liz good 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 uh number four i have sydney Poitier as crease okay i almost put crease number one Interesting. I feel like ultimately he doesn't have a big enough role to justify it, but like presence, he's got a presence. I I love that scene just when he's on the phone, like, damn it. I need to know. Like, yeah. I don't know. He brings such intensity. Well, to just it. when he gets the motherfucker, I'll split your head. Yeah. Uh, I've got Whistler at number three. Yep. David Strayhorn. He's yeah. what a great character, you yeah. know, like cool name. I, I mean, I don't know. I, disability advocates get at me. Like, let me know. I don't think he's insulting. To people who who aren't cited, uh, it, it's, I mean, if if they're making this movie now, they could cast somebody who actually who, is, yeah. you know, without sight, yeah. But like, I think it's take talk about using the handicap and like the way he would rely on a on a different skill set. Like he's he's great, and he's mm-hmm. he's a human being. Like the whole his reaction to the driving is so interesting. Yeah. Uh, who's your number three? You have Whistler too. Yeah, I have Whistler too. Okay. Yeah, I got Crease at number two. Okay. Who you got two? All right, these two, I could go back and forth. Uh-huh. In fact, I'm going to call an audible now. Oh. If I'm even using that term right, because I don't know. I've never actually know what that term means. Sure. I don't watch the you, game. Don't, you know what it means. I, hopefully it means this. I'm switching, I'm switching them out now. I'm going to put Robert Redford at number two. Okay. Would you like me to explain what calling an audible is? Yeah, please do. 
It's when the quarterback gets up to, when the, he gets line, to the line, he you, reads the defense and he realizes he's in the wrong play for the defense that he sees. So he calls an audible, changes the play at the line. Oh, I don't feel defensive. Okay. Well, yeah. by the way. So no, you, it's a, the correct usage, by the way, the Ravens lost LOL. Who's that? It's a team in the NFL. Okay. They're the number one seed. I, I and I, I predicted that right before the game. I didn't know so if that was, like, uh, that was like, a, like a Quidditch team that lost or something. Yes, it was Quidditch. Okay. Yeah, I've got Martin at number one. Um, so we're at number two. Oh, we got Crease at number two. So, oh, okay. Okay, yeah. sorry. Yeah, so you've got you've got Liz Martin. Uh, I have Liz at one, Mar- one. Martin at one. Or I, put, Martin I, had, Liz I one. had put Liz at two and Martin at yeah. one, and I've switched it. Liz is my number one now. I can see that. I mean, I, I really like the Mary McDonald character. I just... I wish she wasn't so much like teen mom. Like the the scene yeah. where he goes to her and he's just like after he's got you know like beat up and thrown out of the car. It's really like it's romantic, but it's also like I need someone to take care of me type yeah. of thing. Yeah. Which just yeah, I don't know. I, I wish she was she could be a little bit more than that. Which is why I'm not putting him number one. Um, and I think especially in the modern context, we can look back and and have that conversation about Liz. But she is. I would argue for these guys who've made a career. Well, the other thing too about I love this about this team is they're not like the top experts in this. You know what I mean? Like they're not super spies. They're not even like whatever people pretend with like the Fast and the Furious gang. Like they're car thieves who became like super adventurers or whatever. Like these guys are rejects. These are the Island of Misfit Toys yeah. for a reason. Um, and yet I still find that Liz is probably more capable than any of them. <laughs> I mean, I, I would really love to know what some of the stuff that she like clearly she's like done some missions with them or whatever you know like work some jobs with she, them. she's aware yeah they've relied on her in some fashion um do you think they get back together i guess yeah i mean for a little while you know he probably blows it again but i would love to what it gets me to is that none of them they ask for all these vacations and shit how are you paying your mortgage while you're gone you know what i mean like i would have also asked for some money <laughs> Like I love it whenever you watch those those makeover things where it's like, hey, you poor family, we've built you like a super mansion of all these fucking crazy yeah, yeah. gadgets and stuff like that, and now you get to live in it. It's just like those people sell that house a month later because they can't afford to run it. <laughs> I I kind of wonder like, do they say to the NSA like, hey, so now that you know who we are and like what we can do, if you ever want to throw any work our way, you know, like. You know, you can't operate on American soil, but you can hire a contractor to like, you know, hook it up. And it's not strictly legal. Yeah. <laughs> we'll give you a discounted rate. Yeah. Discounted rate. I wouldn't give the government discount. Well, I mean, rate. I, I think you a, a government discounted rate, you know, or it's like it's super jacked up because it's government money. But then we'll give you a slight discount. Yeah. The government's good for it. Trust yeah. me. <laughs> but yeah, would would we recommend this movie? I Fuck think 100%. Yes. It's just it's a fun movie. It's. I, you know, it's a movie where being smart and clever is an asset. Yeah. You know, I always like it's not, you know, it's not super violent. Like, you know, two people get shot, but it's not, you know, gory or anything like that. Like, it's it's pretty tame as far as that goes. One of my one of my favorite genres of movies that you you see so honestly rarely is it's like, let's get a bunch of smart people who are good at their job in a room and just let them vibe off of each other. And to a certain degree, this movie has a lot of that. There's no character who's like the hothead who fucks it up for everyone. Yeah, yeah you know? exactly. Yeah. And even like Matt Damon does that in Ocean's Eleven. And then it's like, don't worry, that was part of the plan. It's yeah. like, oh, God damn it. 
get this hothead out of here. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that was. Sneakers. I mean, which I, I would almost argue that this is like on the level of which we would recommend this movie. It's almost the highest in headcanon history. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, is there any of the movies that we've covered that you would recommend more? I mean, you just said that you would get amorous of somebody and take them back to your place and be like, hey, want to get to know the real me? Want to make you vulnerable? I don't, think I, would, I don't think I would put it exactly that way. Let's watch yeah. sneakers in bed or pants off. Hmm. No, no, no. I'd want them to actually watch the movie. Okay. Yeah. Well, good for you. <laughs> You're a scholar and a gentleman. Next week on the pod, we'll be doing The Abyss. Maybe my favorite James Cameron movie. Okay. It, uh, man, I haven't seen that movie in a long time, like at least 10 years ago, so that'll be fun. Like, we got to do the, the extended cut, I think. I'll we'll have to find that online. Yeah. Because it's like, it's significantly longer than the original cut. Oh, yeah? Yeah. How long is this total? Let me see. Let me what, see. what are you asking of me here? Let's see. The Abyss. Can't believe you've never seen this movie. So do I get to pick the movie after that? I guess so. I, a movie occurred to me on the drive over. It's a movie that I'm pretty sure we both like. Oh, yeah? yeah. Is it Last Mohicans? Uh, no, I do want to do Last Mohicans at some point because that movie is horny as fuck. What movie? Joe versus the Volcano. I'm surprised we haven't done that movie. We haven't done a lot of older movies. We haven't done that in the last year or so, right? Except for like when we would do like I mean, this, is a, this is an older movie. But I mean, like, it's like the last year or so. I don't think like we're doing a lot of older movies. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we did like Back to the Future and mm. Indiana Jones. All right, I'm looking for the fucking running time on this. Uh, okay, here we go. 171 minutes. Oh, my God. Oh, my fucking God. For a podcast, that will probably be half that, right? Sure. Or is it, are we going to talk about a lot? It's going to be like double that. We, I mean, we don't need to go into every scene. But Michael Bean's in it. He's got a mustache. What is this movie about again? You don't even know, do you? No. And then I can tell you. Just watch it. Find out. Oh, God. Second appearance by Mary Elizabeth Mastriano on the podcast. First appearance by Ed Harris? Uh, good question. I feel like he could have appeared in one of the other ones we've done. Real question. Do they smash? Um, I'll tell you this much. It's a classic uh, uh, ex-wife. She's serving him papers type of situation. Ooh. You know? Ooh. Does he have hair? I don't think he does. Okay, Maybe right. a little bit. Yeah. He's going the full Picard. Anyway. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, we could just go. We don't need to rant about the Rise of Skywalker some more, right? Every day I have a new complaint about Rise of Skywalker. I don't know if I could list all of them. Let me just do like a brief, like one minute, just minor thing. I've been thinking a lot more about Janna and how annoying it is that like she's Lando's daughter. And yet they've robbed you of the whole concept of like what would Lando's daughter be like because she's a long lost daughter who has Mm. no connection to him. Like, wouldn't it be interesting like as a foil to Ben Solo to be like, well, what did Lando's daughter like? What was she, you know? what was Lando's life like? Or was she like a, like a rich, you know, like, you know, prep school daughter who went to space Harvard. was Lando like still a con man. And she's like a ragamuffin, you know, like, I don't know. It's so many interesting opportunities for that character. And instead it's like, basically you, you're a blank slate, you know, you're just, you want to help free, you know, more stormtroopers, but that's it. There's no interiority to the character at all. You know, 
Also, if it supposedly is the blaster that he got as a child from Lando that he's using on Exegol, how does that fit in at the time? Well, like, just imagine a story where Lando's daughter is not long lost and it's like maybe shows up with Lando. Like, did yeah. Lando's daughter, Jana, know Ben Solo? Like, do they, you know, have a history? I don't know. There's like so many interesting ways they could go with a legacy character's, you know, child like that. And I feel like they like, they did like an, an end run on it where like they don't get into any of it. And not only do they not get into it in the movie, they leave no opportunity to get into it in like a book or something like that because she just was like captured as a child and brainwashed all her life. The thing that I was thinking about last night, I was trying to fall asleep was the Jedi show up at the end of Exegol and all channel through Ray to help her defeat Palpatine. Uh-huh. Which is essentially the good guy version of what Palpatine wanted to do to her. Sure. Right? Okay, so all the all the, the Jedi channel through her body to help her defeat Palpatine. And then some people were trying to like have this like Hail Mary of, well, maybe she's carrying Ben Solo inside of her. But either way, the common denominator is that Ray's body doesn't even belong to her. She her character exists it's, as a tool. It's for, a vessel yeah. for others, mostly men. <laughs> It sucks. Yeah. Anyway. That's what I, I thought want, about trying to go to sleep last night. I don't want to go any more rant than that. I was just thinking like Naomi Aki as Lando's daughter. If she's going to be Lando's daughter and not just a random like stormtrooper defector, what a missed opportunity to create like a totally awesome, cool character who would have relevance to the story more than just something like you don't know it unless you read the visual dictionary. Well, I'm frustrated because like I said, I want to know the real story behind the production. And then I feel like that, like a lot of people do. And I feel like that got corrupted yeah. with well, the I should whole... say, you don't know in the movie she's Lando's daughter. You know if you go read the visual guide that like, oh, actually, this is Lando's long lost daughter. So if you're wondering what I'm talking about, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, so I want to know the real production story behind the production of this movie. And I feel like a lot of people do. I don't think that's an insane request. And I feel like that's been corrupted with this whole, quote unquote, JJ cut. Yeah, not a real thing. Anyway. Yeah. Until next time. Peace. Later.